The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to planestalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We're proud members of the Planestalkers Podcasting Network. And we're here to fucking kill it on Pioneer Night with 15 people and yeah, talk some magic. A, a lot of people showed up on Monday to play, yeah, including myself. Yep, yep, Matt was even there. I made it there. It was a holiday too. We had a. It was Labor Day, I think, on Monday. Yeah. So we had. A, I mean, that makes it easier for some people to come, but it makes it a lot harder for other people to come because you have like cookouts and people go out of town. So I was really surprised we had our biggest get together yet on Pioneer Nights. Yep, steadily growing that into something real. So how are you doing, Matt? Uh, I'm doing all right. Uh, An easy day at work today. Uh, Didn't really do a ton over the weekend. You and I hung out for a little bit. Um, I started playing Borderlands 3 for a little bit. But yeah, I just kind of like chilled. Uh, Watched uh, Rings of Power and House of the Dragon. So there's like plenty of like epic high fantasy going on on tv lord of the rings yeah it's the new lord of the rings and the new game of thrones show did you they they both launched within a couple weeks of each other i saw a tiktok on this so it might be fake but i saw a tiktok that amazon deleted all the negative reviews yep so they went through um imdb which they own yeah and deleted any review that had like a a Five or lower, I think. I I could be wrong there. I, I thought it was like four, like lower than yeah, four. Yeah, they whatever. basically what whatever the cutoff was. Yeah, and then they just not. And it's not just the people who gave stars. It's not like if you gave it a rating, they actually deleted reviews. Mm-hmm. So people who sat down, watched the show, supposedly wrote a review, supposedly the wrote a review yeah. and deleted it. Um, there's been a, there has been an enormous amount of, just, bullcrap on both sides. I don't. Uh-huh. We don't normally talk about internet drama and whatnot but this has just been kind of funny with for me as a huge lord of the rings fan i'm on the lord of the rings subreddit and the Uh lord of the rings memes subreddit and both have been completely taken over by nothing but flame wars on both sides it's actually kind of aggravating because i i would like to read some comments and like have some discussion about the show itself that doesn't just devolve around well that side hates it and this side loves it and they're both incorrect Uh, it's 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 just like can we just talk about what it is it's just nerd screaming oh my god it's horrible so like (laughs) the memes are pretty funny so there's within everybody knows this but within subcultures you get your own memes that run and one of the ones uh in the return of the king there's a battering ram that's named grand it's that's what the the orcs named it it's this like gigantic huge thing it's a basically a dog or a warg's mouth like its head yeah and it's got like flames inside of it and whatnot and they chant like grand 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 that thing well that was everywhere on that lord of the rings meme subreddit where it was just like every meme and it would end with grand Got you. And it's just been completely erased. Like there are there are no other memes. There's nothing that's being talked about other than the rings of power and how both sides are just yelling at each other. So like so, the Lord of the Rings subreddit is yelling at each other, and then the meme subreddit is making fun, fun of the Lord of, yeah. of the Rings subreddit. So which side's right? Uh neither. Uh the show is in my there's only been two episodes, but I will caveat that. I don't give a show like this a pass because the first two episodes are slow. 
Um, one of the things that drives me nuts is if you're going to release a show that has hour-long episodes, I effectively just sat down and watched a movie yeah. and nothing happened. So, like, yeah, I get it that it, you're supposed to have eight episodes, so we've only seen two of them. But I still watched two hours of your content and nothing yeah. happened. <laughs> so you gotta hook me. You gotta hook me in. And what's on the screen isn't horrible. Okay. Okay. Um, that's high praise from you, actually. It. I would say this. It's not nearly so far. What we have is not nearly as good as the movies. It's much better than what I would consider the Hobbit. Like the Hobbit movies are trash, in my opinion. Okay. Like, you you know how much I love Lord of the Rings. Uh huh. I do. Have I ever even tried to get you to watch The Hobbit? Uh, nope, sure haven't. <laughs> it's we, just we had we had a le- dog shit. We had a legitimate like lovers' quarrel over me not liking. Was it The Fellowship? Yeah, I mean, the Fellowship not, of the Ring. Not disliking it, just not really liking it. <laughs> we like didn't talk for a couple days. Yeah, but um, it's somewhere in between there. Yeah. So like, there are some really cool parts. So you watched Fellowship of the Ring? I did. So they go to Moria, which is the big mine, right? Yep. Well, that is after they woke the Balrog and, like, the dwarves have either fled or been killed. I thought they woke the Balrog by going into the mines. Well, they woke it a long time ago oh, by okay. basically digging too deep into the mountain. Gotcha. And that's what that's and, what emptied out the mines. Correct. So the, the Balrog, and some of this might be slightly inaccurate because I haven't read, I don't, I'm not 100% on the lore. Yeah. But the, the Balrog, basically they woke it up. Uh, the Balrog has either killed or made all the other dwarves flee. Uh-huh. And that was like a long time ago. It was a long time before the Fellowship of the Ring. Um, what we see in, in Rings of Power is Moria, Casa Doom. So it's like, re- it's when it's like a vibrant city. Oh, okay. And that cool. was really cool. Cause I really like dwarves, um, especially Tolkien dwarves. Uh-huh. And seeing one of their like societies, like at its peak is really cool. And that's one of the things I do like about this whole show is we're seeing things uh, Lord of the Rings, like the the main books, is kind of post apocalyptic. Mm-hmm. Like you are, we're like the whole world has been effectively destroyed. Societies have collapsed. Yeah, like everything's in ruin. And like when they're when the the Fellowship is traveling through Middle Earth, that's what they see everywhere is just ruins of a yep. greater civilization. So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Matt Mercer from. Uh, D&D podcast. Yep. He was talking about world building. And it was a gripe he had with uh, the Lord of the Rings, although maybe it, it fits in with the lore that he doesn't, maybe he didn't think about it that way. But he talked about how, like, maybe with Matt Mercer or someone else, but the whole, like, no one's made a sword that good in a thousand years. And it's like, we have blacksmiths today. Well, it's like the idea that, I mean, like, if, if it's post apocalyptic, if the, like, no one that good has existed in a long time, like, think about what we were making a thousand. Could you imagine if we were like, yeah, we can't make a road like the Romans did? Mm-hmm. It's like, we definitely can. Well, the the difference there, and I think a lot of people miss this, it's not that, because uh, he's talking about uh, Anduriel, which is uh, Isildur's sword, which was broken, and then he uh, cut the ring off Saren's hand with it, uh-huh. and then Aragorn gets that back. The sword itself isn't some, like, you know, in D&T terms, like, plus 15 sword of cleaving or something like that. The The thing about Lord of the Rings is... Things kind of have a power in and of to the in and of themselves. So like kings have power. Yeah. And it's not like flashy power. It's just like this kind of ethereal, ephemeral kind of thing. Okay. And it's the same thing with the sword. Like, it's not that it was the best made sword ever. Uh-huh. It's just that it's this sword that did this legendary thing. Okay. And most of what that is, is it gives 
So like the sword is kind of representative of Aragorn's ability to command. So he's a descendant from Isildur, so he is supposed to be the king of Gondor, uh-huh. which was the the big civilization yep. of men. And that sword basically represents when the line of Isildur breaks. So his son, or uh, I mix up the names a little bit, but basically they remake the sword because he's Aragorn's going to be king now. So that's oh, okay. It's basically his birthright is that sword, and so they kind of go hand in hand. It's not so much that it's just the you know sword of orc cleaving or something like that. It's this sword has done legendary things. It has a power to like lead and inspire, mm-hmm. and so people know it. it's literally a legend. Like within the uh, like people hear about it and they're like, oh shit, we have a king and the sword is back. Like gotcha. it's that kind of thing where it's it's more about inspiring people to follow you than the actual like mythic powers of the sword mm-hmm. now there are some things that do have some magical powers like uh in the hobbit bilbo gets uh an elf sword he names it sting and a lot of uh elvish weapons they glow when orcs are by so like uh gandalf sword glamdring glows uh thorin who is the leader of the elf, com- elf company he gets orcrist that sword glows because they were made by elves. Mm -hmm. So like it does have some power, but one of the funny things just to kind of display my point and we'll move on. They go in the Hobbit, um, Gandalf and Thorin, they get, they all, the whole company gets captured by uh, goblins and they take them to the goblin King and the goblins freak out when they see these two swords because of what these swords have done. Mm -hmm. They have names for these swords. That makes sense. Because these swords have killed so many goblins. Yeah. <laughs> their their nicknames are like uh Biter and Beater or something like that. Yep. And so like they're like, oh shit, it's these things. Cause like there's this mythology about these two weapons that killed a bunch of goblins just, back yeah, in the so day. They just murdered so, like, everybody. Yeah, it's not like they're like throwing out, you know, fireballs or they just have the best steel or something like that. It's the mythology about this stuff kind of has a power in and of itself. Gotcha. So that's my Lord of the Rings rant. Rings of power, I would say watch it. If you're into the Lord of the Rings and come to your own conclusions, I don't want to bias anybody. Uh, it's, I don't feel like I wasted my time. Uh-huh. I will continue to watch them. It's not like, I'm not like, oh my God. I'm not like super excited to see the next episode, that kind of thing. Yeah. So that's basically what it is. Was just watch House of the Dragons is okay too. Okay. That There was a really cool scene at the end of episode three. I won't spoil it, but it's really cool. Oh, okay. And okay, okay. that's basically the only thing that's happened in three episodes. So again, what these uh, show runners need to realize is like, I've now watched three hours of house yeah. of the dragon this... dragons. And one cool thing has happened. Yeah. My time's kind of on a premium guys. Like... Right. Like there's infinite content. Yep. I mean, we're making some right now. Like there's more content. You could listen to this or watch Lord of the Rings. If we tonight. stopped me, ma- if literally no one made any more movies, any more music, any more podcast, any more books, anything else, there's more content than anyone could consume ever ever that's already existed so yep. like don't waste my time is yep. basically what i would get at and i feel like they kind of do in both of those shows so they're good enough to watch i'm not like like when when season one and two and three of like game of thrones came out like holy crap that was good tv gotcha. and i was very excited so like i'd watch them we'd watch them when they would air and then <clears throat> i almost always had mondays off yeah. So like everyone would go to work and I would rewatch it because I wanted to watch the episode by myself without anybody talking over it uh-huh, or anything. Uh-huh. I've seen seasons one through five of Game of Thrones at least four or five times. 
And then six, nice. seven, and eight are kind of like, eh. Yeah. So I've seen them. Once I get going, I'll just finish it off or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, but you look forward to it. I looked forward to it for a solid for five or six years of just like, it was one of the best things on TV. It's very yeah. good. Uh, neither one of these shows are that good, in my opinion. Yeah, that's all right. So it doesn't mean they're bad, but they're not like the pinnacle of yep. TV. That's fair. That's fair. So how about you? So I started my new job on Tuesday. We didn't work Monday because of the holiday. Yep. Uh, I currently have a three-hour commute a day, which yep. is round trip. Pretty it's pretty rough. Yep. Hour and a half one way. Yep. So that's not great. Uh, it's all highway driving, which is kind of nice, but it's pretty expensive. It's very time-consuming. My days are very long. I get up very, very early now. Probably get up at what five? Uh, five thirty. Yeah. yeah, but that's because I can. I I can get up and get out of the house in like twenty minutes. Yeah, like I, a lot of people can't do that. But I mean, like I'm being. Uh, I I'm getting to work an hour and a half away. I'm getting there two hours before I used to get yeah. to my old job. <laughs> uh-huh. <I'm, laughs> oh, yeah. Your morning routine has shifted yes. wildly. I uh, I do not see the sun as much anymore. <laughs> but it's okay. It'll be fine. It's only for a few months. Today was a big day. It's our third day. Or it's our second day. But it's our first day like in the labs and shit. Yeah. It, this is um, it's, it's all hands-on training. I'm learning to be a plumber. Yep. And so that's, I mean, it's, there's, there's some classwork cause you have to learn like code and regulation and all that stuff you have to learn. There's a lot of yeah. facts you have to know, but the vast majority of this is like learning how to install water softeners and run plumbing and repipe and solder. So a lot of it's hands-on and as a part of the job, just like a mechanic, which is probably what people think of the most, you need a lot of tools. Mm-hmm. You need a toolbox and this program, they do not, you buy the tools, but they procure them for you. So presumably they get some kind of a deal. I imagine when they spend $15,000 on tools, they probably get a bit of a yeah. bump. Uh, but we get to buy those tools slowly. So it's it's about 50 bucks a week for the next like three months, as opposed to buying the $1,200 worth of tools all at once. But today we got to open all of our stuff. We got great big boxes full of stuff. We got uh, we have to go buy our own toolboxes, which is kind of nice, little, little bags to carry mm-hmm. them around in. I got mine after class today because I was a little busy yesterday. But. So it was really fun going around and opening up all the tools, and, and there's a lot of stuff that a lot of people haven't seen. A lot the this 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 program is set up very well to be like you don't know anything, come in and we'll teach you. I've got a bit of background just in like handyman stuff in general, living on a farm, owning my own house, just my parents like yeah like I've done plumbing in my home. I'm not a plumber, but I've done plumbing. I've done electrical. I've done um, most of anything, and so everything we pulled out, I recognized and knew but a lot of people were like oh what's this what's this how does that work blah 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 you know we were, we were naming off tools and they were trying to they were having a hard time finding them so we were like showing them around showing them what they were we had a whole section on like reading tape measures today and uh there were they were probably two people that legitimately could not read a tape measure they've never done it before like they the marks mean nothing to them mm-hmm. and so we all got together it was a really good it's only like 12 people in the class, 13 people. So it was a great experience to kind of hang out with everyone. It's a good like bonding experience. We can help each other and help them learn how to do it because they haven't been reading tape measures for 15 years. And that's not their Wouldn't fault. Wouldn't it be easier if everything just used freaking metric? It at would. least for like handyman oh, it type would. of oh, stuff? No, 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 it would. It would. Uh, metric is better. Yeah. I, I Standard has its place. Metric, standard to me is one of those things because I, a lot of people hate on standard, but it does mean some things. It's very, it's a much more graspable kind of thing. Yeah. Like, you know about how big a foot is because it's called a foot. Yep. It's your foot. <laughs> it's approximately the yep. size of your foot. So like, again, that's, it's not the, there to be the precise. Numbers are a lot more manageable too in right. a lot of ways. But 
when yeah, you're I, dealing I, with just one unit, if you didn't have to dick with standard and metric, yeah. it would cut a lot of your tools in half. Yeah. As someone who uh, who has a four-year degree in the sciences, yeah, I love metric. Metric yeah. is great because it's all by a factor of 10. It all, it all, everything relates to itself really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, standard standard is is not that. It's like we were talking about, like oh, reading a tape measure, like you know, four and three eight or three eighths inches. It's like, well, I, it's it's four and three eighths inches, and then the gap is you know six and a quarter inches. So do the fucking math, right? As and opposed it's not to just particularly difficult math, but it's fucking math. Well, and you, it's one of those things like, as opposed to, it introduces a a, a way for you to mess it up. Is yeah. the biggest oh, thing with me is like if you. It, like converting fractions to like the you know whatever the next denominator or whatever yeah. like that's not hard but it introduces okay well i need to multiply this by three and then yep. you know do well, and if i mess that up now my measurement's wrong and you do it a couple times you start you start having multiple fractions interacting with each other and versus, as you get smaller it gets more annoying yep. versus <laughs> metric where it's just like oh it's you know 6.5 uh but you know, 6.5 or as we'll say it's 0.65 meters and that's 0.25 meters so just add those together yeah and that's and how many that's meters you is, have. Yeah. yeah that's how many centimeters or millimeters or whatever yep. it is but yeah. it was fun um it's it's fine it's a lot nicer than delivering heavy packages all day so it's pretty sweet i'm i'm quickly quickly getting excited about like actually getting hands-on and doing the stuff because it looks like fun and the the company that i work for the more i learn about them the more it sounds like it's gonna be a really cool company to look, work for it sounds like they really like try to encourage and reward like polite competitiveness. Mm-hmm. They don't want there's no cutthroatness. I'm not trying to like fucking tear people down, but like they kind of encourage they you. They reward to, like, you to be good like, at your job. Be better. Get yeah. like, get good reviews. Get like get get people to appreciate you, you know, blah blah blah. So I'm excited about that. The other thing I want to talk about is like so we had fifteen people at Pioneer and Matt unfortunately did not go three out this week. Uh he did get knocked nope. out by Fletcher. Yep. Fletcher was a guy he came in, I don't think I've talked about him, but he won last week three oh, playing your uh your Boros deck, not your particular yeah, one, but, but a similar one. Yep. This week he came in playing Ring Delight, and I went at least this week was for sure three oh six oh. Yeah. He did he, he's he's killed. So he needed Our a ride. Game home. two was very close. He uh he lives on a college campus nearby, and he walked like an hour and a half there. And I was like, absolutely, I'll drive you home. So I'm taking him home, and we're chit-chatting, and he's like, he's going to the RCQ. Nice. He won a, a qualifier with Modern Living End. That's cool. And is going to, I think it's Georgia. I think it's Atlanta, Georgia is where the RCQ is, the regional championship qualifier. Mm-hmm. He might make it to the Pro Tour. That'd be cool. He's very good at magic. Makes me feel a little bit better about losing to him. Yeah, don't yeah, don't feel bad. He's, he's I had him down to to one twice in game just two. Couldn't bring he it had down. a like Cloythos or whatever, that that yeah, the gruel ga- god that he he gains two and I take two. Yep. That's what he killed me with. And so he like, just ground you out. And he and I'm not trying to say this to take away from anything. He beat me, but like the turn before I killed him, he topped deck in Om- in Omnath. Uh, oh, yep. And play to land, gain four life, and he just puts the game out just of reach. Got you out of reach, basically. And I needed, I, I still had enough to kill him because when I attacked, I still got him down to one again. Uh-huh. But I, I top decked a land as opposed to any spell, any yep. defiant strike, anything like that. So he definitely won it. And I'm not trying to take that away from him or anything, but it was that's how close of a game yep. it was. I had him down to effectively won three times because it was one then three yep. then one then three then he played on <laughs> yeah then down down to one to not die and then win <laughs> right wow so yeah it was it was a very close game it was, a, it was fun to see the uh that deck go off because i'd like i've seen it in lists and whatnot but yep. i haven't actually seen it played and like game one like he turned four supreme verdict turn five niv 
Mm-hmm. And I was just like, well, this game's over. Yep, that, that'll do it. <laughs> that will do it. And then, like I said, game uh, game two, I had the, I can't remember the name, but it's something Vanguard. Basically, it's a it's a 1-1 one, one for two. Uh, when it attacks, it gets plus two, plus O. Oh. And then while it's attacking, and you can pay for life to give it indestructible. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So it's been it's kind of a new sideboard card I put in there to deal with the removal heavy meta. Yeah. And uh, it did a ton of work. I eventually had two of them, and he could not deal with them. Yep. And that's what was keeping me in the game. But it's also it like that for life. Yeah. It's huge. I had to pay it three times. That's <laughs> and then he a played Cloythos. <laughs> so it's a chart drain. Yep. Yep. So the other thing I want to give a shout out, and I know he listens, uh, Nate one of our patrons and a good friend of mine now, uh, popped his 3-0 cherry. Nice. So you, you were playing next to him in D.C. Yeah. At, the, at the top mm-hmm. jam. He's made it to, the, to that 3-0 seat a couple times and never brought it home. In la- or not last night, but Monday, he got it. He brought home with Mono Red Burn. Yeah, that, yep, yep, I was like, watching him. He, um, it was a pre-con that he's heavily, heavily edited. So it's not quite a brew, but it's like his, his form of, uh, of Mono Red Burn. Yeah. And it's, terrifying round one he raffle stomped me like game one it was just one of those like just burn did burn and like we were kind of going back and forth it's just like oh it's turn four and i'm dead and that happens yep and then uh game two was pretty close i couldn't find black and then burn also did burn things while i couldn't find i stumbled and you can't stumble against against burn yeah he's then he's done he did very well and he's 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 it's in the last like month or two he started playing so much tighter uh, I know he listens. I I hope that has a compliment. But you have played much tighter. I've seen him get punished a couple times in the last few months, and he's learning from all of that. Yeah. So I, a lot of our players are that regularly play are just you can see him getting better. Yep. We had a couple new faces, well at least new to me. Yeah. We had, yeah so, a couple new ones. So yep. it was pretty sweet. Uh, speaking of, of of faces and pretty sweet and people that we appreciate. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to our patrons. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel to help give Matt and I an opportunity to upgrade some of our equipment and make it a little easier to produce the show. Uh, shout out to Empra, who puts our show up on Reddit every single week. We super duper appreciate that. He's also kind of our modern expert. We bounce a lot of things off of him. We've got Rambling Rogue, uh, Derek and Ashley. Derek and Ashley are with the Family Gathering podcast. They're our cousin. What is it? We Pod cousins. Pod co- they're our pod cousin. And we super love listening to their content. Unfortunately, they didn't get an episode this, out this week. Uh, they put up on Twitter that they just had some technical difficulties and it wasn't going to be a good enough episode. And yep. unfortunately, you just got to scrap those sometimes. We've scrapped a couple of ours where... Yeah, we I mean, when we first started, we had to redo the first episode like three we times. We redid a lot of episodes. Because you just listen to it and you're just like, I right, we can't. That's not... No. A, yeah, or something happens in the yep. middle. Where, we've like, recorded the... episodes, and every podcast has done this, but we've recorded episodes like with people and like... I hit him up that night and was like, we're either doing this again tomorrow or you can't be on the show because that's not going out. Yeah. So that happens, unfortunately. But we do love their podcast and we are super excited to see their episode next week. We have Eric, Mono Wolf, uh, Ethan, who's at the card shop. We got CJ, Nate, who brought home that three that 3 Good job, bud. And Jameson, our most recent guest, who loves to challenge me to duels over over insulting him from insulting me yep <laughs> i don't know who i i popped in the discord and all of a sudden i'm the second in a duel <laughs> yeah. and i'm like we're all just, right where are we gonna be we're discussing the laws of quote duello and <laughs> yeah. whether we use guns or swords guns, uh, we, i don't, don't want to have to buy a sword tons of fun and if you guys want to hop onto that discord where we have all kinds there's all kinds of chat going on we're always chatting chat, t- talking to people and you can always talk to us very directly obviously you can become a patron any level of patron gets access to that and then 
Uh, some of the levels have like free merch after a few months. Some of them, a lot of them, most of the levels have access to our bonus content we record every week. So we really appreciate that, and we hope to see you guys over there. Uh, one quick shout out to the Plain Soccer's podcast. We have Will and Aramis over at the Plain Soccer's podcast. Uh, that's twitch.tv forward slash Plain Soccer's podcast.com. Uh, Monday and Wednesday. Monday is your standard podcast. That's kind of evolving into a more of a EDH centric podcast slash Magic in general podcast, kind of similar to us, where we do. Magic in general and some formats. Yeah. And then Wednesday is their live play Commander Craft that you can absolutely play in very easily if you want to. If you go over to discord.plainsuckerspodcast.com, uh, hop on their Discord. They have a huge thriving community and they run these games every week. And Will is really proactive about getting new people that want to play into those live games on Twitch. Alrighty, Matt. Uh, I think we're ready to get going. So, how is Legacy looking? So, this weekend. Um, I want to do the. I'm going to look at. There was three uh, challenges. There was Saturday, what, Sunday, and it's super what you want to do, man. We do what yeah. I say we're going to do. Oh, is that how it works? Huh? And I think we should do the legacy super qualifier. We are. I just want to I know, briefly I know. check the other two, just to get some stats here. So while he's looking as that legacy up. as a whole. Uh, I already got him. Oh, okay. Never so, mind. um, on Sunday the normal challenge, uh, because there was a little. I didn't see it, but Jake mentioned it to me. There was a little bit of a, uh. uh grumbling over blue reds performance this weekend yeah uh performed very well i don't know why anybody's surprised <laughs> the, the at this point <laughs> the joke i saw and i can't remember who to credit to but something like legacy challenge it you know it's, it's a legacy challenge you go play 13 rounds of swiss and delver wins what do right. you expect so saturday uh jeskai control one there was one blue red in the top eight and three in th- the 32 so yeah like like saturday or that was sunday sorry so the sun so the day of the super qualifier so yeah the, what's What's likely is yeah. the Delver players show up on the Super Qualifier. Which they did. Um, then Saturday, we had uh, a top eight with three blue-red Delvers. I think one of them was a Ledger Shredder variant. Uh-huh. And then uh, six in the top 32 on Saturday. And then we'll get to the Legacy one when we normally do it. But just keep that in mind. So, okay. like, again, there was this is grumbling. Yep. But... I think the grumbling is justified. I don't know whether this, or not this weekend well, really justifies this, it. At this point... Other people are grumbling too, so it's okay. We were yeah. we've been grumbling for over a year, and now everyone else starting to grumble too, so it's okay. Yeah. So, uh, like I was mentioning to Jake, I'm actually happy about it because apparently Wizards thinks that everything that's going on is okay. Yeah. So I guess the only way for the format to improve is for it to get worse in yep. the short term. It's gotta get uh, darker before it get before the so, before the dawn. I mean, whatever. I don't know how many challenges we need to sacrifice on the altar of Delver before we just get rid of expressive iteration or something like yeah, that. At least yeah. I was listening to, uh, I was, I was, I was watching the legacy pit, which is a, a great show. Highly recommend everyone watch it. It's Thursdays and Saturdays on Twitch. But, uh, Ryan Freeberger on there was jokingly like, I think you could take out three. I, you could probably take out three of the better cards in Delver and it would still be in a, it'd still be a great deck. Yeah. You could probably neuter three of its best cards and it'd still probably be fine. It'd probably be a top tier. Two deck. right off the bat is like if you got rid of like expressive iteration and one of the creatures, the deck would still probably be functional. Yeah. Because express or uh, expressive iteration could just get replaced by another cantrip in yep. theory or something else similar to it. And one of the creatures and one easily of the... gets replaced by Yeah. Any like of them. for example, we already saw uh what was that card? Ethereal Forager yep. pop up last week. Like that could slot in for Merktide Regent. Yep, you had just as a theory. Like you had that new, um, the new delving. Yeah, like, there's the new. Like there's like there's turtle. like three or four other 
pseudo delve threats that yeah. are just waiting in the wings. They're definitely worse. They don't have like flying or anything, but like one of them has like Ward Four or something. Yeah, but being worse than Murktide Region, almost every creature is worse than Murktide yeah. Region. So that's a pretty long list of it's like, creatures that are worse than it's like, Murktide. It's, like it's the Grizzlebrand list. It's like, <laughs> right. Why would you run that when Grizzlebrand's legal? Right. So, uh, anywho. As far as the super qualifier goes, we had Juju Bean 2004 bring it home with Blue Red Delver. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on the list. Uh, it's pretty much the same list we've seen. So we've got four Delver, four Dragon Ray Chandler, one Brazen Bar. <laughs> yeah, like I, I mean, it's All a it. meme at this point, but that's it's literally yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like, the same thing. Like these lists don't run the same 75. Like the side, the sideboards are always are they're tuned bit different. For their expectations. But if you're looking at like the sixty, I think this deck's like fifty-eight is figured out. Yeah, relatively. Yeah, you speaking. have a couple. Like, how many blasts do you want to run? Yeah. Now, Stuff if you're like running that. the the Ledger Shredder variant, that number changes a little bit. Yeah, but it pivots into a little a little bit slower yeah. deck. I mean, but, like like fifty-ish, fifty-four to fifty-five of these cards, like reliably, are solved in the sixty. Yeah. Um, the only. Cool thing, we had talked about this a couple weeks ago, actually three weeks ago, since we missed two weeks ago's podcast. Mm. Uh, Maddening Hex is legal now. Yep. So we've got that in the side. Uh, just since this is the first time we've actually had it in a tournament, I do want to read that card. It is one generic and two red for an enchantment or a curse. Uh, enchant player. Whenever enchanted player casts a non-creature spell, roll a d6, which drives me nuts, which is why it's probably called Maddening Hex. Maddening Hex deals damage to that player equal to the result. Then attach Maddening Hex to another one of your opponents chosen at random. Yeah. This is one of those cards, kind of like True Name Nemesis, that was very clearly designed for EDH. I mean, it's, it's in an EDH set. Right. And it's, yeah, again, like it's... just like True Name, where it's, and it's, I don't think this card's in reality is going to cause any major issues, but it's one of those things where it's taking advantage of an effect that is only supposed to hit you once every uh -huh, three, once in, a while. once in a while. So it's just always going to be on you. And every time you cast a non-creature spell in basically the non-creature format, yeah. it's you're taking a D6. From what I've heard, it's a Delver killer. So it's great in the mirror. Obviously, it's great against Delver. And it also, like unless it, it, unless they can remove it, um, so if but if you can if you can stop their removal spells, uh, control just folds to it. Oh yeah, any like, any of the decks that just like, run these cantrips. Yeah, control just control has a couple ways to remove it, and if you can stop those or dodge them, it has zero chance. Well, and the big thing is, especially against control, you can dedicate all of your resources to just protecting Maddic maddening yeah, hex. It's the new queen because yeah, it's just like that game. You cannot win if that's on you if you're playing control, yeah. like because you don't. There's no way for you to just. You know, like in theory, if you turn three did against Show and Tell, they have a ton of cantrips. Uh -huh. But like, they can just straight yeah. up win the game. Yeah. Whereas a control deck has to grind through all mm -hmm. the grind through its cards, find its couple threats, which any more and more often are non-creature threats. Yep. Meanwhile, they're just you know trying to dig for an answer to this. You just protect this. They don't have anything to spend on your other creatures. You know, I mean, it's just it's a very good card. Yeah. Very good. Very strong. And we were talking about it a few weeks ago uh, when it became um, legal because it, you know, wizards dragging yep. their feet on just making cards that are legacy playable, yep. playable. And they the... got Minsk and Boo on there too. Right. Which also showed up in the challenge. Yeah. So, like, that doesn't surprise me at all. This was something we talked about a couple weeks ago. Yep. So, that's about the only real news on the Delver front. Uh, next up, we've got, I believe this was Red Prison. No, it's yeah. XJ Cloud. He's playing Death and Taxes. Yeah, he's playing... <laughs> Mono Red Death and Taxes. Mono Red Death and Taxes. Yeah. Um. Now, does this one have... Yes. So, we've got... Uh, we've been over these lists. I just kind of want to go over the new cards. Uh, we've got Squee Dubious Monarch, 
which is kind of similar to something like uh, Goblin Rabble Master or uh, Legion Warboss, where you're just making a 1-1 a one, one Goblin every time it attacks. Same power and toughness. Uh, only Squee, like normal, is very hard to kill. <laughs> Yeah. So well, he's not nearly as immortal as he used to be. Yeah, he's not nearly as immortal, but he's also a lot better of a card. And like, by that, I mean he actually isn't immortal at all. I yeah. Don't know if you all follow the lore, but he actually is not immortal anymore. Gotcha. In the in uh, the story, I, no, yeah. I didn't know that. If he dies again, he's donezo. But oh, cool. Do you think he's a better card having this unearth ability? Not yeah. unearth ability. This, uh, it's escape. Uh, escape ability. Yeah. So he's uh, he's a three mana two two with haste, legendary creature. Duh. He's squee. Uh, whenever he attacks, you create a 1-1 one, one red goblin token that's tapped and attacking. Yep. So that should sound very, very familiar with yep. these kind of uh, decks. And then you may cast him from your graveyard by paying four mana and exiling four other cards. So again, he's a very recursive threat. He does a very similar thing to like the Legion War boss or the Goblin Rabble Master where he's making tokens. He's, you know, he's a very powerful threat for three mana that you can uh -huh. drop early. Um, but... If you answer him early, they can then get him back. Yep, he's he's just always waiting in the wings. It's a place to dump mana. These decks, yeah, he's he, in my opinion, he's the worst of them. Yeah, but he's worth like I think he's worth running as a one of. I think he's better than your like second or third Legion War Boss just because he's recursive. Okay, um, he's not as powerful. Like if you just had to pick one, yeah, like the the Rabble Master or the War Boss probably kills your opponent quicker. I mean, it definitely does way quicker. Yeah, but, but in those grindier matches. Yep. You can really kind of grind him out because it's like, oh, cool, you killed him. All right, well, he's and back. These decks do plenty often, like trade one for one, trade on resources a couple of times, and then they're just top decking. And they have yeah. tons of mana, and they're just top decking. And especially when you, again, uh, Fable of the Mirror Breaker has definitely earned its slot in this yep, deck. You start sure. getting into the ability to really grind because, that, as we talked about before, that card is very grindy. It's these like three drops that just produce a ton of value and a ton yeah. of pressure on your opponent. So you can go turn one chalice with your ancient tomb and then drop a mountain and deploy a three yeah. drop that can single-handedly take over the game. I had, this is a silly thing. I was watching Aspiring Spike a couple of days ago and he was he made a comment on his stream where he's like one of the people he follows on Twitter posted that like uh he thought that person thought that Fable of the Mirror Breaker was like one of the best three drops ever or one of the best basically a a, a best insert whatever clarifying yeah. statement and Everyone disagreed. Like, for the first time ever on Twitter, everyone was just like, yep, yep it is. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just... Nobody was in... I mean, I'm sure some, like, it wasn't like people flaming and like flame wars and yeah. meme wars. Like, you're so stupid. It was just like, this card is so stupidly good. Maybe one of the best cards ever printed. And everyone on Magic Twitter is just like, yeah, yeah, I think so. Especially for Red. And to be perfectly honest, so Red has kind of a... As far as the long history of magic, kind of it kind of waffles every now and then. Like blue has been consistently good uh -huh. in magic. It's ha it's had its periods where like they intentionally kind of nerfed it, but it's because they because you know the set before was Urza yeah, Saga. Was, yeah, it was it was yeah, the Talarian <laughs> Academy, right? But like red and green historically were kind of mediocre because uh -huh. they were primarily creatures. Uh, they were primarily creature colors, and creatures back then just kind of sucked. I mean, up until like what four years ago. Like, creatures have just been nothing compared yeah, I mean, to spells. Yeah, I mean, like, you could just look at a graph of, like, I don't know how you'd want to rate these, but if you could come up with an objective way to rate creatures, mm -hmm. it'd be, like, red and greens are just kind of flat until, like, somewhere between, like, five, four to six years. Yeah. And then it's just, like, shoot straight up. Yeah. Where you get stuff like Questing Beast. Had you, like, mm -hmm. and Questing Beast doesn't even see that much play. Nope. 
But like, had you printed Questing Beast in 2002, I would have been like, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> what is this? The death of magic is here. Right. I mean, we you're used how do to you, playing stuff like how do you ever Force do of Nature. Be- how do you ever do better than a four mana four four with death touch, haste, can't be blocked. Vigilance. Vigilance. Can't be blocked by little things. Any damage it does, it does to a different thing. And damage can't be prevented. And damage can't be prevented. You know yeah. what the you know the joking name of questing beast is questing book. <laughs> it <laughs> makes sense. You're fucking throwing a dictionary at somebody, all the fucking words on it. So to put this into perspective, when Watchwolf was printed in Ravnica, I got excited because I was like, holy crap, it's a three three for two. Yeah. Now fucking DC plays a three three for two that you can pay five mana and make it like a five five with right. trample. <laughs> and if you attack with creatures power six you draw a card yeah it's nuts so the power creep is real whether or not it's good or bad i'm not on that chain but you know power creep's real and uh fable the mirror breaker is fantastic it's a fantastic card yes it is uh third place we've got another delver list we didn't have a deck that much it was it's a it was it's red prison it's it's legit red prison a couple trinospheres a lot of chalices simian spirit guides to power things out yeah it's that's one of the reasons why i didn't go over it's even the sideboard is, it's got a maddening hex. Yep. Is, duh. Why wouldn't you at this point? Good card. Um, third place, we've got, oh, uh, you yeah, you did mention XJ Cloud. Cool. I like to always give a shout out to the, at least the people we know. Yeah. The um, real, like the crazy good grinders. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's, you know, when you, anybody who kind of has an associated archetype that people within yeah. Magic know, where it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, Julian's the elf guy, uh-huh. or, you know, he's the death and taxes guy. Yeah. Like, They've obviously earned those accolades, and I feel like it's appropriate I mean, like, for us to give them a shot. If you queued up, you don't even play MTGO that much, but if you queued up and you saw XJ Cloud, you'd be like, well, I better keep a hand that's good against uh, Thalia. Right. Apparently not. Uh, not always, <laughs> but yeah. Where's my Hydro Blasts? No kidding. <laughs> um. So, again, third place, Blue Red Delver. This list is not exactly like the previous list. Again, we've talked about there's a yeah, couple flex slots. Very close, though. You cut a Pyroblast, you get some Unholy Heats, you cut a couple Dazes, like... Very close. Uh, no maddening hex. Well, that's why he came in third and not first. So good beat. <laughs> he's got a bra- uh, he got two total brazen brazen borrowers. Well, you know what that does? Picks up maddening hex. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'd probably play the brazen borrower and the maddening hex. Yeah, it's probably better together. Yeah. Um, fourth place, we've got so uh, elves has been kind of uh churning and tumultuous the past couple weeks is this the new stock elves then i don't think so (laughs) well i don't know i don't know either because apparently the new stock elves is something that to be perfectly honest i can see so this is one of the things as far as that conversation goes this would be my opinion on it my official opinion having thought about it all week it doesn't surprise me that elves being as good as it is that you can tweak some things and it's still effective that being said i think a lot of these are probably more like metagame adjustments than which one is better in a vacuum. So like I can see a metagame and we may be in that metagame where a grindier version of elves is better than a combo version of elves. Uh-huh. I can see the reverse. But for me to sit there and like look at a list and like people are freaking out about it and it's like, okay, guys, a, a wildly successful deck was just as successful as it has been for the past six months, that doesn't like shock me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like, I mean, we've said it a dozen times, like you could take a card out of Delver, you could replace, you know, Delver of Secrets with Sprite Dragon and it could still win a challenge. Yep. Wouldn't like, be shocked to see it in the top no, eight. Right. So 
now they are tweaking some stuff and it does seem to be interesting. I was thinking about it a little bit more and uh, the, the fiend artisan grist interaction, I think is very interesting where they kind of feed off each other, where grist is milling creatures into your graveyard, making fiend artisan better. And then it's also giving you in one, one insect that you can sacrifice to get elves out of your deck. Like that's cool. And I can see how that would be very effective in certain matchups. Yeah. Um, I personally probably will still, unless like nothing would make me happier than just elves getting a boost. Yeah. Uh, like that's not going to upset me at all. And if I'm playing for like a, well, a ton of money, then I'm going to play what I think is the strongest build. I still love doing glimpse of nature. So yeah. like, it's going to take me a lot to push me off that now. This is where I bring it around. Say, while you're talking about bumps in power, have you heard about this new Dominary United I card? I have. So this is really exciting for me because not only, I mean, I know I just said it, but like this is a super qualifier. Yep. Big deal. Big deal. And we've got Leaf Crown Visionary. This is still Reclaimer Elves. I do want to put that out there. So we've got Leaf Crown Visionary taking Fiend Artisan's spot, which is a two mana, two green, which of course... Uh, that drives me nuts. Everyone was freaking out about how good the elves one is. And it's like, as far as like the actual numbers on the card, it's actually worse than the goblin one and the merfolk uh -huh. one. By a lot. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, it's elves are a better tribe in my opinion, especially the merfolk goblins. It's kind of, you know, depends on what format you're in. Yeah. But like, as far as if we're just comparing these cards, I mean, cost two green. Anywho. Yeah. Instead of one in a blue. Instead of one, one in, in a red. Right. It costs green, two green. green. And its ability costs more mana and shit like yep. that. So like, but it's uh two green for one one elf druid. Other elves you control get plus one plus one. And whenever you cast an elf spell, you may pay a green if you do draw a card. Yep. So it's a weak glimpse of nature. Very weak. Very weak. So, but it also really affects your ability to go wide. Yep. At least not like glimpse obviously allows you to go wide. Yeah. <laughs> but it allows you to go real wide. This card allows you to make, I mean, if you play it and you already have a few elves out, I mean, it's effectively adding six power to the yep, board. It's a, it's a lord. It, it's that, a that's, lord. It's huge. Very good. It turns every single elf in your deck into elvish visionary, yep. which makes wirewood symbiote a bomb. Makes elvish I mean, visionary into super elvish visionary. Right. <laughs> so, like, yep. it does a lot to the deck. Now, whether or not it becomes a mainstay, I don't know. Uh -huh. Whether or not it beats out Fiend Artisan or whether or not this kind of mid-range, grindy kind of elves is even the right way to go. That's all, you know, in the future, and the people who play this stuff will work that out, and then when I go to a tournament, I will copy the list I like the most. Yep. Like, I don't do a whole lot of, like, actual, like, innovation and whatnot. Like, if I... I'll probably buy... Well, I guess I won't, because they're, like... $8 a piece. So I'll <laughs> well, probably wait for them to go down. Remember, the set hasn't even released yet. Yeah. We're, all, we're still in pre-release. So once these are about 5 bucks or less, I'll buy a play set like I do with ev almost every card yeah. that's playable in Legacy Elves. I buy it, and it sits in a binder. Now, one of the interesting things about this is they cut two glimpses. So they... They're going this, on this being glimpse. Right. They're, they're going, this is my glimpse. And I'd rather do kind of short value glimpses rather than an all-in win-the-game glimpse. Yep. So what? this one of the things that when you build these, as, uh, this is true with Fiend Artisan as well, what happens, and a lot of people are actually cutting, because I've been able to catch up on the, uh, so I'm part of the Gaia's Cradle uh, Discord, which is basically the Elves Brewers. Yeah. So I, I've been catching up on that too. The A lot of them are just straight-up cutting glimpse because the deck becomes super clunky with it. Yeah. That makes sense. 
But like I said, you are now all in on Fiend Artisan. Yep. So, you know. You're losing a lot of that potential explosivity. Your ceiling, in my opinion, is going way down. Your speed is obviously going down. Now, whether you make that up in grinding potential, you know, people are having success with it, great. Um, But this Leaf Crown Visionary, I think, also is really going to help your grinding potential. I mean, Mm -hmm. turning every single elf into a cantrip very important when you want to as well when you want to because yep. it doesn't even it's not like it has to do that yep, so you just, if you're one mana short you just play your elf and you keep going yeah so that's it's just a very cool card i'm glad it's seeing play i hope to see it happen a little bit more like keep seeing results uh-huh. i personally think i would rather play with it than fiend artisan i just because i i don't really like that card all that much but i'll play whatever wins yeah yep, yep. Uh, so that's my thoughts on that. It's it's cool. I'm excited to see more of it. I'm really excited when we'll get to this about uh, its effect on modern and whether or not elves is now at least. I I'd, I'd love it for it to be considered a tiered deck. Yeah, it's not a joke. <laughs> yeah, it's not a joke. And I saw Aspiring Spike play it. I watched the games. It might not be a joke. Yeah. Well, and it's modern elves is capable of doing some very powerful stuff. It's whether or not it has staying power in a match. Yeah. Like it gets blown out a little bit, and. I was joking around with Jake. I was like, I wonder if people are going to try to make Fiend Arson work in yeah. Modern Elves as well for all the same reasons. So, like, it it grinds. It's it's great to recover. It's a much better top deck. It tutors stuff out. It's yep. great to recover from a board wipe. It's a very, like, beefy threat. So I'm curious Maybe. to see where all Modern Elves goes as well. But, yeah. It's cool to see people playing with it, though. Yep. Oh, my God. I just endurance is fifty bucks. That's one card I didn't buy four of when it came out for elves. Mm, yeah, I think I so, only have like one or two endurances. Yeah, that's rough. Anywho, might be selling those. Uh, fifth place, we've got uh containment. It's containment construct riddle smith yeah, combo. It's that people really loved this when it came out and like it actually did well in a challenge. It did well in like one challenge, then disappeared for about four months, and then it is now back again in the super qualifier, doing quite well. And how it's yeah. I mean, it has the, the the explosivity to go through its entire deck like three times on turn two. Uh, one thing I did learn about this, I did listen to someone talking about it, is it does mulligan incredibly well. Mm-hmm. You can easily mulligan to three because you're just going for Lion's Eye Diamond uh, Echo of Aeons, and you can just reset. You, yep. can, you can mulligan down incredibly low and then just plan on resetting with whatever you get. So that is some real power to the deck that we didn't think about, I don't think. The, the ability to mulligan well is pretty good that's pretty huge mm-hmm. mulliganing is one of the most powerful things you do in magic in general especially in legacy where the turn the games can be so short so the upper the ability to maximize your mulligan power is a huge asset to the deck yeah for sure yep super the, cool deck if people haven't seen this deck it uses um containment construct which basically says whenever you discard a card you may exile it and then if you do you can cast it this turn or you can play it this turn so yeah. basically you get to discard cards but still play them that pairs well with uh, I just forgot the name of it. Lion's Eye Diamond, which it's Black Lotus, but you discard your hand. But when you can just keep the cards, it's literally just Black Lotus. And then tons of things that uh, generate lots of mana are free. And then Echo of Aeons to constantly be going back through your deck, recycling through your deck. Things like Burning Inquiry to draw a bunch, discard a bunch. Breakthrough to draw a bunch, discard a bunch. Because it doesn't matter that you're discarding it. You're keeping those cards with Containment Construct. And you have Riddlesmith also to help you uh, filter through your deck. Yeah. That's why you have all these zero. Like you have what twenty seven zero drop artifacts or yep. This is fundamentally it's the storm deck. 
Yeah, because Riddle Smith, whenever you cast an artifact, you uh, may draw a card and then discard a card, yeah. which you're discarding a card to the containment priest that you get to play. You still get to play. Yep. So, yeah, this deck storms off pretty well. I mean, I guess it actually exactly is a storm deck because it wins with Grape Shot. Yep. So, it's just, it's a cool deck. I was really excited when I saw Containment Construct because, like, I saw that and I was like, I don't know if that'll be good, but that's a very powerful effect. If you can make it work, it's if you can good. make it work, and the it's problem just... is it's a two mana two one, right? But if you can make it work, that is an incredibly powerful effect. Yeah, and it's just one of those things where, like, I don't think we'll ever see a day where contain this deck takes over the meta, Mm-mm. but it's a perfectly serviceable combo deck. Um, so if you got lion's eye diamonds and you want to do something different yep. with them, if you're this is a... if you're tired of casting tendrils, maybe yeah. try casting containment construct. Yeah, so. I'm curious. I mean, I wonder why they don't run tendrils instead of. It's just easier to cast, probably. It is, but you're, in theory, you should have decent mana in this. Probably because it's easier to cast, and you never have four mana when you've cast ten spells. Well, they're casting zero mana spells, so I'm think like again. I'm not saying you're wrong. Yeah, but you're and, using those to produce your mana. But I'm looking at it going. The deck is basically a lion's eye diamond deck, and what it does, it it costs more, but it you have to have twice as many storm spells, basically what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious to pick somebody's brain as to how the deck plays, if it's just much easier to just keep storming mm-hmm. rather than, like, once you get going, so it doesn't... So, like, if you're playing it and you're like, once you get it going, it probably doesn't matter if you have to get 10, 20, 30, 40. That storm count could be almost anything. I'm curious if that's the issue. Or, like, with storm, you're just trying to race to 10 spells. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, as far as the how the deck plays... So I was just thinking that I'm guessing like the way the deck the way the deck plays maybe you don't maybe you don't get in a position where you're ready to cast a, tor- a storm spell like that until you've already cast fifteen twenty. And, and that's thing it could be. And very if that's easily. the case, you might as well take the cheaper yep. one because you will help, you might have situations where you're barely sustaining yourself on mana production and you only have one or two. Yeah, because like if you think about it, like the the colors isn't that big of a deal. Because no. it's just, you know, it's cost one more black, but it, it costs twice as much, but it only costs one more black. So yeah. getting one more, getting two black as opposed to one red yeah. isn't the end of the world when you got Chrome Mox, Lion's Eye Diamond, Lotus Petal, Mox Opal. Yeah, like, that's true. So I'm, Maybe. Just, I'm curious as to how that, what, since I obviously had what, no... Why is it Grape why Shot is over... Why is it Grape Shot over Tendrils from, like, somebody who knows? So if anybody knows, feel free to hit us up. Yeah, love to know. Hit us up uh, at... Catch a Patel on Twitter that's, or that's what, when, Yeah, when I when I see that deck, I'm like, well, why do why are they running this instead of that? Yeah, that's uh, very interesting to me. Um, next up, we've got Nah. This is that's a twelve rot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the uh, Naya Depths, green white depths with a Pyroblast and an REB. It is a little bit more red right now because it's also running Minsk and Boo. That's true. Um, <laughs> that's funny the way this. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't know what it is yet. It doesn't know what it is, and since it left a gap, I saw Minsk and Boo, and I saw the price of Tabernacle, and my mind oh, connected those two. Yeah. I'm like, Jesus, that card's expensive. They, they, when they only put it in chests, it's yeah. 2000 I was like, wow, Minsk and Boo's off $5,000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, it does second. run a single Minsk and Boo to help validate This deck is $9,300. Yep. It's kind of funny. So a little bit of sidetrack, that's all we do on this podcast. I was chit-chatting with uh, one of... My coworkers, you know who it is, person who runs my route now. Yep. I, had, I left my job, the person who runs my route. And we were talking about hobbies or whatever. And this particular person is into racing. He does like dirt track roundy round racing with yeah. kind of, like like beat up looking cars, but still like very. Mm-hmm. And he showed me a picture of one car. He's like, Yeah, I got like 7,500 bucks in this. And he showed me another car. He's like, Yeah, I got like four grand in this. You know, I'm getting, I got a lot of money in my stuff. 
And I took a picture of like 12 cards and I was like, yeah, there's like five grand sitting there on the table. So like, I get that your two cards are worth more than that, but like you have two cars. Here's 12 pieces of cardboard. Demonstrate how ridiculous the prices yeah, and magic and have like, gotten. There's like between like 35, I think it's like between 35 and $4,500 sitting there, depending yeah. on what mm-hmm. prices are. And he was like, are you shitting me? And I was like, nah. Yeah. It's, it's gotten pretty crazy. stupid. Yeah. Um, just going through the list here. So in case we don't talk about every time. Yeah, it's green, white depths. 12, I call it 12 rot. You have Elvish Reclaimer. You have neither Reliquary and for crop rotation. Yeah. And obviously those creatures just allow you to sack a land, go get a land. Very crop rotty effect. And the whole point of the deck is to go get that Dark Depths, go get that Thespian Stage, go get that Sajiri Step and punch your opponent for 20. Yep. And then... Or you could Minsk and Boo and throw it at him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They just that play too. They just play fling now. Yeah, and I mean Minsk, Minsk and Boo is a crazy good card if you can resolve it. It's a four mana planeswalker, so I mean like, yeah, it is good, but like it comes in immediately makes what is essentially a four four yeah. with haste and trample. Mm-hmm. That next turn is a seven seven with haste and trample, or next turn you can fling it at them and draw four cards. Yeah, the cards bonkers. Yeah, it's a very good card. It Other doesn't than, surprise me at all that it's in here. Yeah. Well, yeah. like initially it did, but after like reading and talking uh-huh. about it, I'm like, oh yeah, well that makes perfect sense yeah, why that's in there. The the potential of the card is pretty high. And again, it's four mana. The the ceiling or the the cost of four mana is huge in legacy. It's gotta be bonkers. That card is bonkers. Other than that though, I don't see much in here that's kind of yeah, it's just surprising a one of, in a you got swords, prismatic ending, like you you everything you would expect to see yeah. is in this list. Uh and other than Minskin Boo, there really isn't anything you wouldn't expect to see in it. Let's wrap this pretty up. Stock okay. list. Let's bring us home with these last two decks. Yep. Then we've got, in seventh and eighth, the supposed Delver Killer. <laughs> yeah. That uh, has Punishing shown, Fire Lands. That hasn't shown up in months? Yep. It's been a while since we've seen lands in a top yeah, eight, pun, especially at a big event. Pun Fire Lands. Yeah. So uh, just going, um, we're kind of want to handle them both at the same time. Two Punishing Fire and a three Endurance. Yeah. Um, the other one has got two Elvish Reclaimer and three Punishing Fire. As far as, you know, like they only have a couple creatures, three endurance in the main board and punishing fire and like and a soul guide lantern mm-hmm. in the main because it's an Urza Saga deck. Dude, so we've got Pithy Leyline of the Void is like good Delver tech now. It's nuts. <laughs> it is, but it, it good that's good Delver tech. You should, I know. Like if you're on elves, and I don't know if maybe you're not scared of Delver right now, but like if you show up against elves or De- uh, Delver, you should consider bringing in your ley lines. Oh, I probably would now. Because, like, it's just... I didn't used to, but I absolutely would now. It ripples the deck. Well, it's very hard for that to... When you're playing it, you have... It gives you a very good blowout potential because they have very few ways of getting rid of it. And if you do it as a pregame action, they can't force oil in. I mean, a lot of those decks were only running one Brazen Borrower. Yeah. It's horrible if you get it on, like, turn four as your top deck. Pretty bad. Yeah, pretty bad. Funny, it costs the same as Natural Order, but doesn't win me the but game. But doesn't do anything, actually. <laughs> right. Because it's also very hard to cast. Yeah, it's it not is. impossible to cast. It, but, but it also ETBs and does nothing. Yeah. It doesn't even exile. Nope. Like, Rest in Peace at least gets rid of yeah, the... Yeah, it does. It just shows up and yeah. does nothing. Yeah. So, ooh, Thran Foundry. Nice. Uh, just the sideboard of this lands one. Uh, Thran Foundry, if you don't know, is a one... Mana artifact, you can pay one, tap it, remove it from the game, and target player shuffles his or her library <laughs> or graveyard into their... Like, this is just anti-graveyard Why tech. not just run a second Soul Guide Lantern? I don't... Do they run Karn? They don't run Karn. They can't go get it again. Mm, 
I guess in theory you could use it on yourself if you wanted to because it just shuffles your graveyard into your library. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. It, shu- it does shuffle in and sh- it shuffles in, whereas uh, Soul Guide Lantern Soul Guide Exiles. Exiles. So maybe like, you could try Maybe you could. Maybe you don't want to grow their current Murktide. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I, 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 you're again, probably right. One of those... The ability to target yourself is probably what's relevant here. Yeah. Oh, you know what you could do? And this is super like, oh my God, this would never happen. But like, you could, in response to their surgical, you could shuffle your Dark Depths back in. To be fair, that's like. Uh, or their. Uh... The big thing that gets hit a lot is your life from the loams as well. Oh, yep, your life from the loams, great example. Because that's that's one of those that does sit in the graveyard for yeah. a while. Yeah. So it's cool. I'm gonna not to mention, I know it doesn't happen very often, but I've seen some lands lists get pretty low, close to milling themselves yep, that, as well. That, yeah. In they, those longer games, they can stall each other because they do run a relatively small number of threats. Yeah. So now what's going to happen eventually is someone's going to you know. Hit us up and be like, by the way, there's this obvious interaction that yeah, you're missing because you're stupid. It'll be in the Reddit post. It'll be in the Reddit post that uh, that Emperor puts up. He'll point it out. Yeah. And he's not even a legacy guy. And he'll yeah. be like, I don't know why these but, guys didn't realize this, but. I don't, other than what we've talked about, I don't see why you wouldn't just want a Soul Guide Lantern. Yeah. So, because it does cost one more. In but total. Soul Guide Lantern can draw a card. In that, well, that, well, that's what I mean. Soul Guide Lantern, only, you only pay one mana for it. Brand. Which, realistically, these both get tutored out. Let's let's work on that assumption. Yeah, but well, even then, then Thran Foundry costs one to activate. Yep, and it doesn't draw you a card. Yeah. So you can activate Soul Guide for free, and if you do pay the one, you don't. I guess you don't get to exile. But if you were willing to pay the one, you could just get to draw a card. Yeah, it's just so, a redraw. Yeah, that's uh, that's our top eight. Just lands in seventh and eighth. Uh, the eighth place one does. It's got Valakut, uh exploration in it. Well, the other one did two. Oh, did uh, it? This has three, not four. It's got it, it trimmed a little oh, on the Valakuts. No, it doesn't. Seventh doesn't. It's got exploration in uh, Sylvan Library. The list I'm looking at doesn't have it. Oh, on no, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I saw, I saw exploration. It does not have Valakut gotcha. exploration. Yeah, so that's which is really surprising. That that's actually noteworthy to me. Valakut exploration is kind of a stock card in these lands decks. It's been the finisher of choice for a long time. I should mm-hmm. say finisher of choice. It is a finisher, a very solid finisher in these decks. Yeah. It's a good card. So I am sorry. I saw Exploration, and I just, in my, my mind, well, that's an filled. easy mistake to make. <laughs> yeah. So that, that Valakut Exploration is a bit is a, is a a bit of a big difference between the decks. Yeah. Um. Again, and there's there's other small differences, too, but we don't need to spend half an hour comparing two lands decks. Nope. So that's our top eight. Uh, again, congratulations to Jujubean2004. Uh, as Boo far as his deck. <laughs> <laughs> Delbert was only a, a reasonable amount. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll lead to the numbers. I don't think this is going to have, like... To me, I wouldn't complain about this. Yeah. For one event, we've got Blue Red Delver with five of the top 32. Yep. For what is, if whatever the best deck would be in your ideal metagame, only being one or two more decks than the next deck isn't that big of a deal. Nope, it's not. Um, 15.5%. 15.5%. Is probably too high, but like, whatever, it's fine. I, it's, I'm, <laughs> we're, I'm so far beyond complaining about 15% of the meta. Right. Uh, especially since in other metagames that's perfectly acceptable. Absolutely, it is. Uh, lands, again, uh, five mm-hmm. of the top 32. Um, we've got Other with six, so, again, I don't want to go through and, you know, figure out yeah, all these. Yeah, like, but... that four-color Riddlesmith deck. Uh, yeah. That, the the Naya Depths got categorized as Other. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you you probably technically have six Lands decks. Or at least six Depths decks. Or, yeah, because you also have Saltai Depths down there, which yeah. isn't that Naya list. Depths kind of depths kind of went crazy this round. This, yeah, this there's game. there's probably seven or eight just looking at I this. Guess depths this, or lands. Yeah, 
basically any sort of dark depths deck. Yeah. Just Which, we lump them all together. Before, I know they're different. Yeah, but, I say before people yell at me, I recognize that depths and lands are oh, I, very different decks. Yeah, I mean they play wildly different. Yes. One's a control deck, one's a combo deck. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, I kind of I kind of hinted at the same and people are gonna yell at me and it's like, I know, <laughs> I know. Sorry. I won't yell at you, Jake. Thank you. Not about that at least. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> uh we got elves with three, death shadow with three. That's huge. Which um actually came in ninth place too. Yeah, I know. We had a ninth place again. With the actual Gurmag Angler. Yep. Got a Gurmag. Hey, if everyone's gonna run Pyroblast, I'm gonna run a one mana five five that's black. Yep. So it's three uh Merktide Regents. I think those are probably doing a lot of work in that deck. And We've talked about that it's before. It's kinda cool. I guess like you could totally cast your first Merktide. You're gonna leave all those lands and shit in your graveyard anyway. You can just get you can use Gurmag to make use of those resources. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly, your Gurmag casting if you cast your Murktide first and then your Gurmag it could grow it. It can grow it as well. Like so, it's you're you're yeah. not really they don't really fight each other no. any more than another Murktide would. Yep. Um, yeah, your first Murktide leaves a lot of a lot of just crap in the graveyard that doesn't help the second Murktide. Yeah, but does help the first Gurmag. Yep. And if it doesn't do that, then uh, you just delve them away anyways. Yep. And still just pay less mana for it. Uh, then we've got, so we have Elves with three, Death Shadow with three, Painter with two, Death and Taxes, and a bunch of other one-ups. So I am happy to see Death and Taxes. Yep. Uh, where did it come in? Tenth, 11th place. So that's not bad. Yeah, close to the top. Top 16. Enchantress. 15th. Sweet. Hey, maybe, maybe Legacy's getting fixed. Maybe it's getting better. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Um, well, hopefully what happens is... Uh, Leaf Crown Visionary is the best card that's ever happened to elves, and elves just takes over the meta, and we get a full like seven or eight percent of. It's, it's interesting you say that could be the best card ever. Have you heard of this one mana one one that is uncounterable, makes everything else uncounterable, and can make all of your elves into five fives? We've had this discussion before. I'm just I'm just saying <laughs> best ever. I said. It would be cool if it was. I didn't say it was. Yeah. I said it would be cool if it was, and it, could, it just shot now, elves up. It could be the tipping point. Maybe elves just needed one more mediocrely good elf. Yep, one who's just good enough to cut the yep. to make the cut. But yeah, uh, again, if we didn't have this top thirty-two, the funny thing is, for most play cards, it's not bad. It's kind of weird to have Wasteland, Wasteland be the number one number card one. in half the decks. That's what we're talking about between those, because those depths decks almost always have Wastelands with them. Yep. And the lands decks a lot of times do. Yeah, yep. all those lands Basic, decks. Yep, all the lands, the uh, the green-white depths, uh-huh. the uh-huh. Golgari depths, Wastelands almost always in them, because they have ways to search out yeah. their lands. And, and so why of, most of them run Loam. Yep. So the ability to recur So you have their Loam, Reclaimer, Crop Rotation, all those cards play very well with Wasteland. And then you have... Another fifteen percent of the meta running four of them with yeah, blue red sure. Delver for sure. So it's just kind of weird to see it up there because it's not normally Lol. nearly that high. Hogak in twenty sixth, <laughs> dude is putting in work. <laughs> yep. He's just like, I Hogak. love Hogak. I am playing it. No kidding. <laughs> uh, then we got Force of Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, and Force of Vigor. Force of Will only in forty one percent. Brainstorm and Ponder in thirty four percent. Where do you decks. go, Lance players? So like. Well, as an Elves player, I don't particularly love playing against lands. Um, I'm excited to see a top 32 with less than 50% of yeah, these cantrips huge. and stuff. That's pretty sweet. And if you look, that's when you we also have Hogak and Stoneblade yeah. and Enchantress and Eightcast and D&T and Death Shadow. And like you start getting, again, we could probably do with a little bit fewer lands decks just on the numbers. 
but there's like, no making this guy happy. Well, we did just say there was probably eight or nine of them in there. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a lot. There's a lot. That's a lot of depth. That's a lot. Um, it just it, well, that to me that just demonstrates the point. I don't want to see thirty percent of the meta be any deck. Yeah. Whether it's lands or blue red delver or elves or whatever, yeah, let's be a little wider. Let's get a little. I want a wide pool of decks that are available. Almost every card in Magic's history is legal in this format. We play about three hundred of them. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, let's spread that out a little bit yep. more. Um, top creatures, Murktide, Endurance, Elvish Reclaimer, DRC, and Allosaurus Shepherd. Definitely also a lot of difference, a lot of variation there from our regular weeks. Yep. Uh, and then top spells. I don't know why it has Wasteland listed That's as a spell. Not a spell. So we'll do Force of Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Force of Vigor, and Crop Rotation. Gotcha, gotcha. Very cool, very cool. So that's Legacy. All right, let's do Modern. I. Uh, I don't think we had a modern Super Focal Fire. We looked all over the... I didn't see one. Looked all over. I couldn't find it. I'm not saying there wasn't one, but we're not going to talk about it if there was, because I didn't, I didn't find it. So we'll hit, hit this modern challenge. When we're looking at first place, Zerk brought it home with Yawgmoth, uh, which is a deck that we have not seen be putting up the numbers lately. Graveyard Hate's been mm -hmm. a bit of a premium, and so we haven't seen Yawgmoth putting in as much work. But it's here today. This is a Hapatra list uh, with the Snake Lady... Uh, with a blood artist and no um, draws messenger, yep. so Hippocra coming in there to fill that draws messenger slot. So losing out on that win con, but bringing in a really good enabler that helps keep the combo going. Not infinitely like some of the other ones, but really does help keep it going. Uh, but beyond that, I don't see anything in here that's remotely new. Like this deck isn't new itself. Yeah. It's just that's a that's a point of the deck, I guess. Second place, like the new premier Archon of Cruelty deck. Uh, five color uh, indomitable creativity. So running literally only three archons. Yep, that's the only creature. It, it, no more, uh, no more Emrakuls. No more archon. No more uh, uh, emissary. Sarah's emissary. Yep, just archon of cruelty. Yeah, there's one Emrakul in the side. That's it. Yep, and that's probably just for the for the mill matchup. Yeah, and and to be fair, it is. It's one of those that there's far the cost of running it in the main is also. So, like, it's good against Mill and that kind of thing, yep. but it's also something you can absolutely just win with. You yep. know what I mean? If it so, doesn't, it's one of the things, if they don't have the answer for it this turn, they just lose. Right. So, the problem just, is Archon is kind of like that too, except it also does so much work on ETB. Yeah. Well, what I mean though is, like, if you just throw Emrakul in Murktide because you don't want to be milled out, yeah. It's Pretty a dead bad. card. Pretty bad. It's not a dead card in this. Nope. You just take something out, put something in, yeah. and not you get to double dip. Yeah. Where like you can absolutely just plop it into play and win. <laughs> yeah, have three Ren and Six and a fourth, or in a, in your first, whatever, Emrakul, and have a chance right. of just slamming a 15-15 with Annihilator Six. Yep. Uh, beyond that, though, there's not much in here we don't see every week. There is two Transmogrify. There's all, like, One is a standard. Oh, I take that back. I hadn't gotten all the way down. There is a huge addition to this deck that I am thinking about putting in some of my decks. Yeah, this card's good. Leyline Binding. Uh, this one kind of slipped past me. I saw it as decent, for sure. I didn't see it as good or great. And it's definitely good. It might be great in a Fetchland format. This, to me, is good in any deck that wants to run Triomes. At least at least four colors, probably. Like, because, I mean, so uh, let's go over what it does. So, oh, sorry, yeah. yeah. Leyline Binding, five and a white for an enchantment with Flash. Um... When Leyline Binding enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until Leyline Binding leaves the battlefield. So it's an Oblivion Ring. Yeah. 
The problem is it has domain, so it costs one less for each basic land type among lands you control. So you go turn one, fetch out a triome, boom. There's three. It costs three. Go turn two. You fetch out the other triomes. Or just running, a shock. Or the, a shock. The opposite shock. Let's say you're running five colors and yep. you, uh, the other shock, which this deck I think is is running the five. It's not running black. Does it have any black lands? Uh yeah, it has it has yep, it has yep, it has the proving ground. So turn one, fetch out that triome, boom, it costs three. Turn two, shock, or fetch out another the other triome, and now it's one. You have a one white flash of Livian Ring. Yeah. Like That's at that nuts. point, it's just better than Swords of Plowshares. Pretty much. There's hoops to jump through for sure, but it's borderline just better uh-huh. than Swords to Plowshares. This card's amazing. Especially, and, and it, uh, the, uh, it's decent. I've seen it do decent work in standard. I've watched some standard gameplay, and it's, it's pretty good there. Um, because in those formats, you can just afford to run like four of each triome and just have all your lands come and tapped, and it's yep. okay. But especially in formats that have fetch lands and can run a triome or two. This card is bonkers. Yeah. It, I don't think you want this in anything that's not four colors or more, because at that point, I don't think Flash Oblivion Ring is very good. I don't. Even, I think it might. Okay, I'll tell, you what, I'll tell you what. In Modern, it probably isn't. I think in Pioneer, this card might have legs. Um, I again, I think three minute Oblivion Ring with Flash in Pioneer could be good. Eh, that, that's on the cusp. I could be wrong. That's one of those things where, like, it could be. I don't personally, I would err on no, but I could see it being, because mm-hmm. Oblivion's are good, it's a good card. It is. Uh, to say Oblivion Ring isn't good is stupid. Yeah. It's obviously less efficient and has been power crept out. Yeah. But this is also, now it has Flash. Flash so, is, I mean, you know, Flash you're is a getting, game changer. You're definitely getting to that yeah. point where this card's p- I mean, conceivable. I mean, how many times, I, we're agreeing here, but like, yeah. how many times have you looked at a card and went, that is so fucking crazy if it only was an instant? Yep, I know. And like it's it's night and day on whether a card is garbage or amazing. Well, I mean, a perfect example of this would be uh, March of Otherworldly Light. You and I talked about yep. that, where it was just like, how many times would you pay one more to just have prismatic ending as an instant? Yeah, and, and that's what that card is, a decent effectively. Number. And people run it. Yep. Now it doesn't see play as, as a four of, but it's often prismatic endings five and six. Yeah. So. It definitely gets the cut, and it's uh, being a like I said, being one more is often twice as much mana, and it's still worth it because that yeah. instant speed is the pretty big. Uh, so when I was playing round three, what was the guy's name again? Uh, you played against Fletcher. Fletcher. Uh, he and I were chit chatting after the game, and we were talking about this stuff, and he's just like, "Yeah, I can't wait to get that because he's already playing five colors. Yeah, he's playing five colors. He just it's like turns one through four are." Tapped land, tapped land, tapped land, tapped land. Yeah. Most of them are triumphs. Some of them are shocks. Yep. And it's probably just, it's probably just like don't die, don't die, yep, don't die, win. Throw a removal spell, just kill uh-huh. your best threat, or on turn four, if I have to, supreme verdict or something like that. Because it's effectively a control deck. Yeah. With a huge it, with five a color huge finisher. Five color finisher. Um yep. and I was just like, wow, that card's gonna be bonkers in yep. that deck. The problem is it's a playset is seventy bucks. Now the set hasn't yep. released yet. But if that card gets down to like four or five bucks, because it's I, you need to pick those things up. Just have them. Yeah, that's one of the kind of cards. If you can get it for cheap, I. With triumphs existing, especially, I think they're just worth having. I don't think it can maintain the price of seventy dollars for no. a playset. Because if you look just above that on this list, we've got Fable of the Mirror Breaker, which is seventy dollars for a play- yeah, playset. And that's this better. card's not Fable of nope. the Mirror Breaker. This is in specific decks in a couple formats it's yep. going to be a very good card it's not like the well this is one of the best red cards ever yeah, printed this is one yeah so like that card will come down whether or not it'll be five bucks i don't know yeah that, that card's pretty bonkers yeah very good uh third place we've got actual factual stone blade 
So we Yorion Stoneblade. We have a Yorion list here with a bunch of crap. Rabbit battery. <laughs> Rabbit battery. Uh, we do have the Goblin Engineer. Yep. Lion Sash, of course. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I did, <laughs> this isn't a bunch of crap. This is Oswald Fiddlebender. I didn't yeah. see the. I ran through it once or twice. I didn't see Fiddlebender. This list makes total sense now. This is Oswald Fiddlebender combo. Um, I still can't remember the exact combo, but there's a way that like Oswald just wins the game with like sacking, I think, a two or three drop into a four drop and just going infinite. Gotcha. There's a way it does. Uh, Spike has done it a few times. Unfortunately, I can't think of it. But Oswald Fiddlebender is obviously an incredible powerhouse. One in a white for a two-two. Uh, it uh, legendary gnome, but it has magical tinkering, which means nothing. So you pay a white, tap it, sack an artifact. Then you search your library for an artifact card with mana value equal to one plus the sacrifice artifact's mana value. Activate only as a sorcery. So we know how good Tinker is. We know how good um, what's the uh, Birthing Pod is. Like this is just uh, this this is Birthing Pod Tinker. And it looks like it's the combo is going to be Sword of the Meek and Thopter Foundry. Gotcha. So I will tell you that I was thinking the combo I have seen is different. It's something else. But this is, might be a more streamlined combo. So that makes that makes sense. Because then, because the cool thing is, is so you sat you 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 tear up, you sacrifice one drop, get Sword of the Meek, untap it, either next turn or yeah, if yeah. through shenanigans, sacrifice Sword of the Meek. It's in the graveyard where you want it anyways, and then you get. Uh, oh, I guess they cost two. You'll have to find some way. Yeah. this deck does require some. Whenever I see play, it does require a little bit of setup. It doesn't usually. It can go off all in one turn, but it usually requires a little bit of setup. But the cool thing about it is, while, you get the Thopter Foundry first. While you're setting it up, it's also just a really good toolbox list. You've got answers to almost every single problem, and a lot of them are right at your fingertips with Oswald Fiddlebender. The ability just to cycle through these artifacts, and half of them, half the things you're doing just have so much value attached to them. Things like um, Lion Sash to come in and clean up graveyards, but also punch people in the face for a bun. Brea's Apprentice comes in and gives you card advantage, and then just goes out and gets you whatever you need. Uh, what else did I see? Crackdown con- uh, definitely Crackdown Contract is definitely one of them. Whenever you activate an ability of an artifact, whenever you activate an ability of an artifact or creature that isn't a man ability, it gets plus one, plus one to the end of turn. There is some way to activate abilities infinite times with Crackdown Construct. I definitely recognize that's part of it. That's part of them. But crazy huge toolbox. All of these artifacts with um, Springleaf Drum, Soul Guide Lantern, Shadow Sphere, Pyrite Spell Bomb, Portable Hole, Pithing Needle, like you even have, and you have a couple. Uh, oh, you do not have any. Yes, you do. You have a couple zero cost artifacts with the artifact lands, so you can go get those one drops like Portable Hole, like Pithing Needle. Uh, you have Urza Saga to get to tons of stuff. This is such a toolbox deck that while it does require a lot of setup, and when like when I hear the lines explained to me on paper, I'd be like, that's Magical Christmas Land. Seeing the deck play is so much different because it's just so ready to answer everything. Mm-hmm. Crazy, crazy versatile. Fifth place, we've got another uh, Archon Indomitable Creativity list. This looks almost the same. Um, it's not running the Leyline Bindings, but other than that, it's almost the same. Like obviously, got we've got a few more yeah. spells in there. It's got Niona instead of a Emrakul on the side. Oh yeah, that's boo. I mean, Iona's pretty good, too. Iona yeah. locks the game out better than Emrakul sometimes. It can. Um, you know what's interesting, though? What? Double-check it before I say something stupid. Why would Why would you stop now? <laughs> I know, right? I never hold back. Got the, uh, protection from spells that are one? 
So if I'm thinking about this correctly, you can leyline binding Emrakul. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, so it's an enchantment. Yep. It enters and does. It enters and does. So yep. it's just like the now same, there's like wow, Emrakul has never been worse. Em, yeah, they keep printing answers to it. Yeah. It's just like it used to be an untouchable thing in modern, and now there's four separate cards that answer it just super cleanly. Yeah, that's hilarious. But anyway, not much else in that list. Uh, fifth place, mono white hammer time. So not Azorius, not white black, actual factual mono white with four Memnites, four Ornithopters. Look at those freaking four of man. Four Esper, four Pure Blade, four Stoneforge. Get those Steel Shaper gifts to bring in protection. And then exactly what you expect to see in the artifact suite with uh, the cranial plating, the nettle cyst, actually in a, a sort of fire and ice too. And then your hammers to go down with it. See this to me. Like, if I was going to build Hammer Time in Modern, my list would look like this. Yeah. I don't like losing to my own mana, which is what you're allowing yourself to do by playing multiple colors. Yep. Again, you're increasing your ceiling, but you're sure. low, you're dropping your floor a little bit. And I love decks that just run four ups. Yep. I love having, like, nice. being able to be like, I'm going to draw concise, a, a pure steel palette in this game. Tuned decks. <laughs> right. Yep. So, if you don't have, like, playing around with cantrips and legacy you get used to having ones and twos and threes and stuff like that yep but as sure an else player i like four of this four of this four yeah. of this four of this so like, like when i play in other formats that's I what need i a like high chance of drawing these cards when i need them and it's the same thing with what i do in pioneer with red white heroic yep like just four 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 and a lot of them are redundant anyway a right. lot of the crap does the same thing yep Sixth place, we've got Rakdos Midrange, a list that we have not seen putting up numbers lately. Ever since Grixis Shadow kind of fell out of fashion, Rakdos Midrange, Rakdos Rock hasn't been doing as good. In fairness, though, we did have Rakdos Scam kind of making a sweep through lately. Mm -hmm. This isn't Scam, though. We do have Four Fury, but we are not. We don't have like the Scam package of nope. Grief and Fury and all of the Undying stuff. This is just like the uh, incredibly midrangey midrange yep. deck. The best value cards. These like Bone Crusher Giant, Season Pyromancer, Ragavan. Cards you're never upset to cast. Uh, this like the five Thoughtseize effects, four Lightning Bolts, two K commands, four Relic of Progenitus in the main. Ready to deal with those blue white, those blue red Murktide lists, mm -hmm. uh, and then four Blood Moon, obviously, to come in and get those free wins out against the four color decks when you can. And if you didn't uh, say it, I might have blanked out there. It's an Obosh deck. Yes, I, I probably I think I skipped it as well. Yeah, it is. It can run Obosh. Everything in here is an odd. Uh, you're not gaining a ton from that Obosh. It's not going to be relevant very often. But when you're not, when it's not costing you anything, I mean, when Lightning Bolt does six. It's absurd. I've been playing against. I played against Nate. He plays that burn deck and he plays Obosh, and I have, I haven't had to take a like a wizard lightning, uh, basically a, a lightning bolt to the face. Yeah. But that's because he played Obosh, and I had to commit like three cards to killing it, because it has, it to, has die. to die. I yeah. cannot let my opponent start top decking one mana deal six. Yep. Yeah, I was gonna say Obosh is one of those where like. In this, he's not even that far out of the realm of possibility because this deck wants the game to go long. Yeah, it's and true. Eventually, you're just gonna go. Oh, I don't really have anything to do mm -hmm. with my three mana. You, you know, you push it off till turn like four or five, so you can keep up some interaction yep. and instant speed. And then you just go, cool. I'm gonna pay three in my main phase. Pass. Yeah. And then drop him. I'm gonna drop him. And then now I've got. So it's again. You wait till turn five to get him. Play your land on turn six. Drop them, yep. dome them for six. Like you can immediately start yeah. doing things. Have bolts up, be ready. Seventh place is a really fun list that we've seen probably two or three times now. It pops in and out. I've seen it played on on YouTube, and it's surprisingly good. Calibrated Blast. So this deck revolves around casting literally two spells: Calibrated Blast and Throws of Chaos. The Calibrated Blast 
because it doesn't come up very often. Three mana. Reveal the top cards of your library until you reveal a non-land card. Put the revealed card or put the revealed cards on the bottom of your library in a random order. You may uh, when you reveal the card, uh, it does damage equal to its CMC. So and it has flashback for five. So we talked about this, uh, and then it has throws of chaos because it's four mana with cascade. Turns out nothing in the deck costs less than three. Yep. And uh, you make the most out of calibrated blast when your shit costs fifteen. Yeah. And this has four, <laughs> eight, 12 spells that cost 15, mm-hmm. and four of them that cost 12. So it literally, this deck in the main board is literally calibrated blast twice, guaranteed kill no matter what. Uh, you get into the sideboard and things can change a little bit because you have things like crime and punishment and uh, never mind, these are all lands. Yep. So you do have a couple crime and punishment, but this person has built their sideboard very specifically with all of these utility lands: Besaju that endures, Besaju who shelters all, Bajukabog, Blast Zone, Otawara, Nefalia Academy, cards that are not going to get in front of your calibrated blast and allow you to, like I said, you resolve it twice, the game's over. I've seen some games played with this deck where they have a much more uh, responsive sideboard plan, but the problem is like your calibrated blast might hit they a four drop. Yeah, they start whiffing. Yeah, and you can't afford to whiff. You whiff twice in a row, and like that's the difference between winning and losing. Yeah, because you're really only going to get to do this twice. Yep. If you if if and you're lucky, you almost have to do it twice. Not not have to, but you yeah. very often have to. Game one, you can probably trick them. Yeah. Because game one, you might get lucky, get a fetch shock fetch. Uh, you 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 could easily get fetch shock fetch shock while you're setting up. They don't realize yep. what they're playing against, and boom, dome them for fifteen. Game's over. Games two and three, you're not going to get them. Yeah, you're going to have to dome You've them twice. Got to do it twice. Or use some of your, uh, like we've talked about before, like your uh, uh, Crucible Defiance. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there you've got is, a couple like creature. There is some chip uh, damage some in there. Yeah, but not a lot. Not yep. enough, I'll say. I love any deck that runs four gemstone caverns. That's <laughs> all about speed, baby. And lastly, bringing it up, we've got everyone's favorite deck, Mono Green Tron. Oddly enough, we've seen plenty of Tron in the last month or so. None of it was mono green. By far the least favorite Tron lately. Yeah. This is the Gigantha list, which most of these mono green lists are. Uh, Wormcoil, Olamog, and Emrakul as your payoffs. Or sorry, well, those are your creature payoffs. And then you've got Ugin and both 4-Karn and 7-Karn as your big payoffs. The things you expect to see to find your, uh, your Tron, because I don't know why you had that, because Tron players always draw it. And their opening hand. Yeah, I've, they just go one, two, three. I've seen it. They always just have it. Yeah, the worst card in the deck is Expedition Map. What do you need it for? You I, just top deck You just them. draw them. Like <laughs> This deck is very easy to play. It takes no brain power whatsoever to play Tron. It's everyone who plays it is a monkey dragging their knuckles. One of my favorite. Uh, I went up to modern. I tease. I tease. Don't yell at me. Um, I went up there with uh, Derek to play a modern tournament. This was a few years ago. Uh, it was before Plague Engineer and like Fury and all that crap. So Elves wasn't a tiered deck, but it was a playable deck at an FNM. Yep. And one of my favorite plays is somebody Ugin to me, and I still beat him. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah. That's got to feel bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, not good enough, no. sir. <laughs> Can you imagine like how half-heartedly you might play a game after slamming Ugin and wiping their board? Yeah. And then being like, oh, fuck. Yeah, it was good. I had a good time. That wraps it up. Let's uh, metagame summary. Hammer Time and Murktide Regent bringing in with 15.5%. Both of those decks have been sitting at the top of the meta for a long time. Murktide Regent has been probably a fair bit higher than Murktide or than Hammer Time uh, usually, but they're both they've both been jockeying for the top spot for a long time. 
ton of combo in this top yep. 32. So you've got Hammer Time, which is a combo deck. You've got uh, Five Color Cruelty, which is a combo deck. Mono Green Tron, which is basically it a combo walks deck. walks that line, yeah. Yep. You go a little farther down, you've got Yawgmoth, Calibrated Blast, Dredge, Blue Living End, or not Blue Living End, uh, uh, Living End. Yeah, crazy. Anyway, sorry, five Hammer Time, five Mark Tide. you got three Archon of Cruelty, um, not Transmogrify, what's it called? Indomitable Creativity Lists. Yep. You've got two Rakdos decks, two Mono Green Tron decks, two Azorius Control, two Crash Cade decks, and then a bunch of one-ups, like I said, including like Yawgmoth, Calibrated Blast Dredge, very combo-heavy. Glimpse combo can't come in there at the bottom, it's still with one. Most played cards, you've got Lightning Bolt, Ragavan, Spell Pierce, Mistress Bobble, Mystical Dispute. Not a lot of change there, but that's, you know, you've got 31, 32% of the meta being Hammer Time and Murktide. So not much change going on there. Uh, top creatures, Ragavan, Esper Sentinel, Stoneforge, Fury, Pure Steel Paladin, and top spells, Lightning Bolt, Spell Pierce, Mistress Bobble, Mystical Dispute, and Consider. So that wraps up Modern. Matt, we're about an hour, 15, hour, and 20 in. We can either kind of wrap this up, or we can do a little bit of time filler. Let's get... Oh, there were there, there we were go. a couple modern things I did want to discuss. Uh, so this will kind of bring it into what we kind of want to talk about a little. Like I'm sure every podcast you've listened to so far, especially since we're we did talk behind. about at least yep. uh, talking about the Dominaria cards. Uh, Saturday's challenge: Goblins won. Red Black Goblins won. Um, that's amazing because as anyone who listens to this podcast more than once knows, I love tribal decks. Mm -hmm. Uh, so array, you don't even have to be my tribe. If you play a tribal deck, you are, you are on my side. (laughs) You got the end. Yep. So, uh, we've got red, black goblins. We don't have to go through the the whole list, although you should look it up. Uh, it's a plate, uh, Plato Nguyen one on Saturday. So if you want to look up the whole yep. list, that's it. But it's an Ether Vial Goblins list, but it's got this uh Runevelt Horde Master. Yep. Uh, it's a one one for two, one generic and one red. Yep. <laughs> Other goblins get you control get plus one plus one. Good enough. Good enough. So it's a Lord. For two. Lord for what, two is pretty good. Lord for two that's one of the things I'm happy about. Like can we stop making tribal decks pay three for their lords? Yeah. Like we're at the point now where like Everyone gets broken shit. Yep. So can we just can get the, some goblins? The broken synergy shit. decks get some broken shit. Um, and then when whenever it or another goblin you control dies, exile the top card of your library. If it's a goblin creature card, you may cast it this turn, or you may cast that card until the end of your next turn. Yeah, that's huge. That's insane with Skirk Prospector. <laughs> yep. So you're not gonna, be, you know, you've got 33 goblins in here. The math gets pretty easy there, right around half. Yep. So you're going to be drawing a card about half the time. Yeah. And that's not great, except a lot of your fucking goblins die. Yeah. And it used to be you just had to throw goblins away all the time. Like I said, with Skirk Prospector, you have to make big attacks in, and they're going to have good blocks. You just you have to chip away. And now with Runeveld, you are slowly acquiring a little bit of card advantage. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. On top of what it also does is it also clears non-goblins off the top. Yeah, you get to where you've got two or three or four mana, and you start clearing off land, anything that trash, isn't land, a fucking trash. goblin. Yep, and I don't, I don't want lands. I want goblins. So, um, I forget exactly what the combo is, but I'm pretty sure I, I know what it is. With a Kiki Jiki conspicuous Snoop, you can make a bunch of tokens. It's Bogart Harbinger and Bogart Harbinger. That's right. Yep. So, um, uh, conspicuous Snoop lets you activate ability. It gains the abilities of any goblin on top of your deck. Yeah. Bogart Harbinger lets you put a goblin on top of your deck. 
And Kiki Jiki lets you make a copy of a target non-legendary creature you control. So you gain infinite uh, conspicuous snoops. Gotcha. They are tapped, but you have infinite of them. So you put the, the Kiki Jiki on top, right? Yes. And then you can just tap conspicuous snoop. To copy itself. To copy itself, and you just make a bunch of tap yep. tokens. Because the new one will also have haste, just yep. like the Kiki Jiki. Copy it again, copy it again, copy it again. So you make infinite snoops. And oftentimes we'll be doing this at the end of their turn. Yeah. But but here's where that uh, Horde Master comes into play. So you make those tokens, right? Yep. They do die. And it's... At the end of turn? Yeah, you your Kiki Jiki tokens die. Sacrifice it in the next end step. So yeah. you could just get a value plan and just draw ten cards, twenty well, cards. In theory, you could draw your whole, you could draw everything but the t- last three cards in your yeah. deck, and like you could do all kinds of crap with yep, that. Yeah, that's very true. Like that's super cool. So, like people, uh, people will yell at me. You can also win with Sling Gang. You could, you could go infinite. Yeah. With the and it, that, now it's like a five card combo. But if you had the Kiki Jiki. And the Bogart and the Conspicuous Snoop and the Sling Gang, you can just win outright. But that's well, also that's, a good point. You also, you can just draw as many cards as you want. Well, you find the Sling Gang. Yeah. So you get the. Well, it, the, only it gives with, you, the only problem with that is now you don't have the Kiki Jiki on top. Well, no, what I mean is so you combo at the end of their turn and draw almost every card in your deck. Now Sling Gang's in your, just in your hand. Yes, but you don't have any creatures. You, you just keep. Well, you I'm sure you could figure like this would be something you would work out in the game, but like. Depending on how you did it, if you had, like, all these pieces are puzzle pieces. That's what I'm getting at. Well, fair. I think if you're going to be doing it at the end of their turn to draw the cards, you should probably just be making the conspicuous snoops well, in yeah. their end step. And just attacking. I know. But, like, what I'm saying is, like, this, all these things work together yeah. to give you some really cool interactions. Yep. That There's a non-zero number of times where Kiki, Kiki-Jiki combo isn't going to win, but drawing you 15 cards might be what you need. Right. Or 20. So... It's good. The synergy is very important, and that's these decks are these decks only exist because of synergy. Right. The uh, the thing I was thinking of. So you just you draw your shit. You play Skirk Prospector. Sacrifice your shit. Play your uh, Sling Gang, and you can just sacrifice yeah. But you all won't your draw the cards until the end step because they they only get sacrificed at end step. That's the big problem with this. You draw all these cards, but you don't get any access to any of them. Trying now, to work this out in my head. Yeah, he's, he's. I'm not saying it can't work. I'm just poking holes in a water balloon. We can do this later. We don't need this is horrible content. <laughs> but anywho, super excited to see goblins. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up, um, where was it? I hadn't noticed this. Uh, Affinity also did uh, reasonably well sixth on Saturday. Sixth place in that same Got challenge. Sixth. Uh, it's a very, I don't want to say traditionalist, but it is kind of eight cast, and it's very close to what a modern Affinity deck looks like. Yep. Uh, they're running Patchwork uh, Automaton. Yeah, that card's amazing. Which is something that. I'm sure other people have seen before, but I hadn't really been paying attention to, and it caught it caught my eye when I was looking yep. through the challenges. Uh, that's very cool in this. So like it it's gonna force you to play a little bit differently because uh-huh. you don't just want to drop your whole hand on turn two. Yeah, you, you want to play this and then drop your whole yeah. hand. So like you kind of got to watch that a little bit. I mean, in theory, you could drop it on turn one because you could maybe yeah, it, it, like in the right circumstances. Yeah, for the most part, though, you want to keep some of those free, free craps. So yeah, can... but the problem is if you want to drop it super early, you just have to empty your hand. Yeah. So like yep. you kind of again, you it, could, it does fight against itself a little it, bit. But if you just can be a little bit more patient, the top end on it is terrifying. Yeah. So that Patrick thing Automaton, is huge. two mana artifact, Ward two, which is super relevant. Whenever you cast an artifact spell, put a plus one plus one counter on Patchwork Automaton. Yeah. This get this thing I mean, on top of eventually becoming fucking insane, it is often just a four four or five five, or which two. is terrifying. Yep. 
with War Two. Yeah, typically, and I don't want to say at its worst because at its worst, it's the one one that does nothing. Yeah, but it's very often going to be something like a, a Sojourner's companion, companion yeah, a four four five with, five six six, with where potential. you pay very little for it. Yeah, exactly. And it's way huge above turf. potential. Yeah. So again, that was a, a Kamigawa card. It wasn't yep. a Dominaria card, but it was one of the ones that kind of slipped under the radar. And it mm-hmm. it's not run in every affinity list, which yep. is why I haven't seen it. Because again, it does force you into different lines and kind of changes the way the deck plays a little bit. Yeah. But uh, as far as good the rest of Dominaria goes, yeah, it was uh, Dominaria looks like it's going to be kind of what I want out of a standard set where there's a couple cards in it that kind of like work their way into a couple decks. And we don't have something that like completely takes over a an eternal format. Yep. Uh, and in case anyone's new, I call modern eternal format. So yeah, yeah, I, it's not technically one, but in my book, it is. It's modern is bigger than legacy was when modern came out. So it's good enough. The only other card I was interested in that came out in this set, and I can't think of what it's called right now, but anyone that's listening, they'll know what it is. It's the one in a blue so- blue saga. So it's one in a blue for a saga. And it has three chapters, and it has Read Ahead, that new ability where when you play... Yeah, we haven't even talked about Read Ahead. I know. I talked about how (laughs) Sagas are getting a little overpowered, guys, and, like, Sagas are no longer... Just wait till they mix them so it's Read Ahead and then it flips to a creature on the back. (laughs) Like, Sagas used to be this, like, investment that you put put mana and time into and you get rewards, and now they're just modal spells. It just does all three things. Not at the same time, but... So Read Ahead allows you to, when you play this Saga... Uh, basically choose a chapter. Now, yeah. if you skip to the third chapter, it doesn't you, do one and two. Yeah, you just get the But third you one. just skip to whatever chapter you want. Chapter one is when it enters a battlefield, or sorry, basically when it gets chapter one, you can play an instant or sorcery from your hand that costs two or less, sorry, one or two for free. So it just pays for itself immediately if you have a one or two drop instant or sorcery. Mm-hmm. Uh, chapter two, target player mills four cards, which is relevant plenty often. And then chapter three is you get to Snapcaster a card. So you exile a card from your graveyard, and then you may cast a copy of it. So I love playing Mono, or not Mono, but I love playing Esper Reanimator in Modern, and that is a huge fucking card for that deck. I was already yeah. running Snapcaster Mage, because I think Snapcaster Mage is like good enough for the deck. And that is just, in this instance, because I don't really care about instant speed stuff, it's just better Snapcaster Mage. Like Snapcaster letting you do stuff on their turn, the body can be relevant, and letting you like instant speed Swords of Plowshares is relevant. I'm not yeah. doing any of that shit in, in Esper Reanimator, so this is you're just, just reusing spells. It's just better. This is yeah. like, hey, turn two, play that, and play my Unmarked Grave for free. Then turn two, persist. Oh, you countered it. Cool. Uh, turn th- turn four. I'm gonna just exile that same persist and play it again. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that card. But Matt. Is that everything we want to talk about today? Uh, the other thing. Oh boy, this is kind of. I still I'm sure to, everybody's talked about it already. I have to edit this tonight. It won't take long. Uh, Liliana, I'm Liliana's in Pioneer. Now. Oh, I have thoughts. I okay, I, I have thoughts about Liliana in Standard. Yeah, so in Standard, I uh, let her rip. I don't know. I, I'm I don't sure think, she's probably. I don't think she's good. I don't think Liliana's that good of a card. Whether or not she's good, she's definitely played a lot. There was a. Yep. I forget what it was That's where true. like the top. Five of the top ten most played cards currently in uh, Standard are all black. <laughs> That's kind of funny. I didn't know <laughs> that. Liliana is one of them. That's hilarious. <laughs> so, uh, again, whether or not she's good. The thing is, Liliana is one of those cards where she's very powerful. It's Liliana the Veil, just so everyone knows what we're talking about. Um, but she needs the right deck. Mm-hmm. Like, Because her, her plus one hits both of you you have yep. to discard a card if your deck isn't designed to take advantage of that in some way it doesn't have to be any particular way 
But if you're just sitting there, you know, we each discard a card, okay, what are we doing? You need some way to gain advantage off of that. Yep. Now, some people run her in mid-range because on average their cards are better. They get some value out of the graveyard. She, uh, they, You're kind of trying to strip their hand. There's obviously been stuff like 8-Rack in Modern mm -hmm. where the whole deck is just designed to strip your hand as soon as possible. And then she actually becomes a finisher in that. Um, she's very good in those kind of mid-rangey shells. As far as Pioneer goes, uh, red-black mid-range is kind of, in my opinion, one of the best decks is probably the top two. Yeah. Uh, Green Devotion is seeing a little bit of a resurgence lately. Um, it was down for a while, like right after the bans, yeah. and then it's kind of like slowly kind of worked its way back into the metagame a little bit. Uh, I could very easily see Liliana seeing play there. She got, there's plenty of people on both sides like, oh, she's, you know, power creep, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, it's power creep, but she's was pretty close to the top of the mm -hmm. power creep when she was printed. So, yeah, she may be in the middle of the best cards, yeah, but she's still very, very good. So, like, it needs to be taken seriously is what I That's would fair. say. That's she fair. And it's one of those cards where it's like, you don't have to run her, but... People need to be testing her if you're serious about winning. She has potential, and she has a proven track record of being a good card. That's very true. Uh, the other thing is uh, Grease Fang. See, there's questions whether or not it'll be running Grease Fang. It does something you want to do anyways. Absolutely, it should. By, again, and this is one of those things where we actually have to play it and see how yeah. it goes. Because To me, that's one of, that's, exactly, like, that's a clear, like that absolutely should go on Grease Fang. That's a great card for Grease Fang. Yeah. Uh, I have two things. One, that card was called Founding the Third Path. Gotcha. The that blue one? Blue, uh, Saga. So I've watched a lot of standard content recently. I've watched a lot of Liliana's get cast, and that card is not very good in standard. From what I heard, it was, I didn't play in Innistrad. Uh, it wasn't that great in standard back then. I've also heard that then. as well. Now, one thing I will say about Liliana, and we might be, I might be seeing this in the standard gameplay I'm watching, uh, Liliana is probably one of, if not the hardest, Planeswalker to play. She is an incredibly skill-testing Planeswalker. There are a lot of times in the game when you play Liliana and pass. You don't use, like, you don't use anything. You don't have to plus one her. You don't yeah, just plus one her. There's no, like, up to one creature gets minus no. one, minus oh. There's no free yeah. plus or minuses so here. There's a huge cost to her. Now, in standard, I think she's actually bad, actively bad, because of the way card design is. I think she's... Um, okay at best slash bad in modern and i think she's okay at best in pioneer and i will defend my statement by saying i think liliana was a phenomenal card when decks required more synergy in general usually the a victory in, in magic came from a come like the sum being more than greater than the whole yeah. of its parts and liliana is great at disrupting that you don't get a chance to assemble your mini combo of synergies your cards that work well together because Liliana is always disrupting that, making you sack a creature, getting ripping cards out of your hand so you can't build. I think modern magic design is way more just like boom, threat, good. And I think that really hurts Liliana. Where I'm... Liliana can can she can strip your hand, but five, six, seven years ago when Liliana was the incredible powerhouse she was, there was no oh look, I win card, slam. Right. There Where, were very few of them. A lot less. And that's and that the funny thing is, the the ones that people were playing were the one that's what Jund was. It was, I'm going to run, it does, I don't give a fuck about Synergy. Yep. I'm going to run Tarmogoyf, I'm going to run yep. Lily, I'm going to yep. run Thoughtseize. Because Liliana like, can't disrupt my own shit, because it's just... I just need the best, and that's what I was saying with these, like, red-black mid-range decks. They, not only do they get a little bit of value out of them through, like, uh... uh Kroxa. Kroxa, the, the graveyard effects, uh, yeah. Tenacious Underdog, yep. stuff like that. 
So like pitching isn't the worst thing, but they're also just worried about overall overall card quality. Yeah. So like I don't care if we both go down a card because my cards are better than yours. I don't care about synergy. I get I'm not that. disrupting myself. And that that's the that's her only place in my book. Yeah. Is in decks where that's, and that yeah. where that's the case, yes. and that's basically the way it was, like you were saying, that's five how, years ago. That's how magic was. And to me, I look at Pioneer. Pioneer is kind of like how modern was five or six years ago. I think so. Where it's it's pretty close as far as now. Obviously, the I didn't uh, mean that in a condescending way. No, yeah, but, yeah. It's pretty close as far as like overall power level goes. Okay. Like, I mean, how many? It happens pretty frequently where people are dead, at, and we're not even playing great Pioneer, where people are dead on turn four or turn five. It happens. That, I mean, I do it routinely. It does happen. Where it's just Scary. like, well, take 11 from my yeah. six, Fucking, six thing. Fuck Nate's over here like, I guess I'll turn my three creatures sideways and bolt you twice? Right. That's what I mean. Like, what? Pioneer has a, very, has a much higher power level than I thought it did when, it first, uh, when I first started taking a look at it. Obviously, uh -huh. it's... You know, power creeps a thing, and yep. Pioneer is still affected by it. But, like, there's some very powerful shit going on. That's true. I think Liliana, as I agree with you in your sentiment, I think Pioneer, though, is... Is the place. Is the place. Yep. Like, you're, you'll still see her, and we we even made fun of them when they... Uh, when they banned Luris, everyone's like, oh, they unbanned Liliana the Veil. Yeah. And we were like, no. No, they didn't. I mean, they did in one sense. Yeah. But like the, the fact how, of the matter is no see, one wants to run her anymore. You see how often she gets played. Right. Every now and then you see her as a one or two of. Yeah, exactly. So I could very I think, easily see her as a one or two of yeah. in red, black, midrange, and we, then Grease Fang. We both definitely disagree, though. There was a huge sentiment. I mean, we equally disagree. When Liliana was spoiled, there was a there was a wave of... Uh, of chatter in the community where it's like, oh my God, windmill slam Liliana. If you're running black, you're running Liliana. And that's just not true. It, the fact of the matter is the game plays a whole lot differently. It does. And committing to the board is way bigger than it used to be. Yep. The fact of the matter is the threats the, are better, which are what kills Liliana. Everything has just inane value tacked onto it. which is, Everything's cheaper. Everything's cheaper. She's a three mana diabolic edict. Yep. Sorcery speed. So she's see the three mana chainers edict. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, Liliana is she's she can st she I still see she's very good in in some decks. Right, but she ain't what she used to be. No, she's at not. All. And if you look, so like I uh, I brought up the pioneer um, challenge. Uh huh. There's two Lilianas in here, in this red black mid range deck. Yep. Now again, this is week one. Yeah, that could obviously could change. It could change. It could the correct answer could be four. The correct answer could be zero or anywhere in between. Yeah. But. I get. I guess I get that she needs tested, but, but yeah, the I, fact of the matter, something, some other three or four drops got to be cut. Yep, and I, I, just, I don't think I. We agree that windmill. She's not a windmill slam. She's not. She's not. Go, don't go by four. Don't slam them in your deck. Don't force her in. She doesn't fit in every deck. She isn't as powerful as she used to be, and she doesn't just win every game like she used to. No, it's. I mean, she's her ultimate. One does, of, I guess one but of I mean, the things I love about her is to me, I look at that as Liliana is in its in her. Like where I would rank her currently is the perfect planeswalker. Yeah. Where like legitimate costs. Legitimate costs. It requires skill to play. Yep. Legitimate it deck building. Requires deck building requirements. And I hate planeswalkers that protect them protect themselves with a with an advantage. Yeah. She protects herself by going from three to one loyalty. Yep. That's a very real cost. Yeah. And it and it removes one creature. Right. So of if they the have, opponent's choice. If they have 
a if two, they have two two and a two one ones. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So like she's where planeswalker should be, in my opinion. Yeah. I hate the fact that a Especially lot of planeswalkers are ones. Right. That where they're just the ubiquitous and stuff like that. Yep. Like the the efficient planeswalker should be relatively easy to handle. Yep. And it's all upside. That's, yep. It's all upside with Planeswalkers these days. Liliana's not. Liliana's plenty of downside. And I've watched, again, watching online, I've watched plenty of people on Arena, Liliana themselves straight to fucking death. Yeah. Because it's just that innate, like, I play Planeswalker, I plus, I plus, I plus, I plus. And it's like, that's, It's like, I pitch a land, and then I kill your Liliana. That's not how you play Liliana, guys. Nope. And it's very testing. And, like, that will, if you if you start playing, that will raise your skill level as a player, because it ha- you have to. Okay, but yeah, that's that's really all I wanted to cover. Can we be done now? Uh, I suppose. <laughs> all right, we're about hour and a half, hour forty five. So, uh, final shout out to our patrons: uh, Emperor, Rogue, Derek, Ashley, Eric, Mono Wolf, Ethan, CJ, Nate, Jameson. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate all the work you guys do for us, all the help you give us every week to help with the podcast on, all the chatter you put in the Discord. We love talking to you guys. We love all the suggestions you give. Thanks to Will and Aramis for helping us with the podcast, helping us get going, and helping support us. We appreciate them every week. Check them out Monday and Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. All the Planestalkers stuff, they're everywhere, and they did a really good job of getting everything that's Planestalkers pretty well. Uh, Matt, is there anything I'm forgetting? Maybe, but not that I can think of. See, now I'm now I'm setting you up. Because you can email us at cantripcartel at gmail.com. You can hit us up Nobody on Twitter. Nobody wants to email us. I mean, you're not wrong. They never do. <laughs> And if that is true, I guess we need to start just saying incorrect things. And we'll like, see. Yeah, just we'll, we'll just breadcrumb. That way we'll get like, well. That way we'll get corrected in our email. Yep. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. We will see you all next week. Yep. Have a nice night, guys. Uh, yeah. I'll uh, draw a card. I guess I play Liliana. Uh, uptick. Oh crap. I guess I'll guess I'll discard my last creature. Ooh. Uh, I'll discard a land. Yeah, uh, I, I'm gonna I, I, I pass turn. Untap, uh, and then I'm going to turn my, uh can't think of the name. What, your Lana War my, Elf? No, my double striker, dude. Oh, oh your Virtuoso. Uh, is 5-5 five, five double strike coming at you? <laughs> Take 10. You know, in this made-up scenario, I probably would have edicted you. You could have picked a better. Yeah, but I've got two creatures. Welcome, step on in to the Cantrip Cartel. Drinking mad, chatting meta games, or slinging some spells, casting ale, sipping on blue soup, and parting some veils. Glimpse of nature once upon a time, they're telling the tale of the elvish visionaries on the wildwood prairies, where the brainstorms of Sophia, some so scary, so legendary. Queering rangers cross the sylvan libraries, where the greens and zenith would parry the clouds and turn their swords into plows. Let them rotate the crops, abundant growth in the ground. Nourish the life from the loam until it flourished unbound. Seeds of innocence burnished all the birch lorian mounds. Gaia's cradle exhaled, carpet of flowers unwound. Birds of paradise sang, tropical islands of sound. Allosaurus shepherd danced on dinosaurs stopping grounds. Jake and Matt pondered deeply all this magic they found. Through their visions, thou and serum, they saw only for how to convey these magic stories aloud to the crowds, the masses. Make the voices heard, share the truth, the magic. Through ancestral visions, they felt compelled to draw every single card with the cantrip cartel. Draw cards with the cantrip cartel. Strong cards with the Cantrip Cartel.